You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we take the world's most complicated sport (laughs) and try to simplify it to help you find yourself through endurance. All right, we got a bunch of stuff going on today. We have an interview with USAT's Rookie of the Year, Justin Metzler, after he completed his training camp with a whole bunch of other pros down in Central Florida, QT2 Systems Training Camp. And we talked for a long time about what a what a pro training camp is like, what it's like living with all these other people, what they do for workouts, what they eat, you know, all kinds of cool stuff like that. And a lot of people will find this very interesting to see the the life and the training of people of people that are really, really fast and what they do and get some tips from it for your own training and racing and then also we have a little bit of triathlon news about the apple watch and let's see we got a ventum bike and a little bit about lance and all kinds of cool stuff like that so let's go ahead and get into the news but first let me introduce myself uh, about who i am (laughs) so you know why you're listening to the show i'm a 13 time Ironman, enough Ironmans where I'm kind of losing count a little bit, and most of those are solo self-supported, and that is hard to do, and I eventually worked my way up to that um, after years and years of trying and training and figuring it out and trying to uh, get it done, and I've shared it over the years over the podcast. This is the longest running endurance podcast on earth. We've been around for well over, well, maybe 10 years, whenever podcasts first got started. And also, I work a full-time job, and I'm a dad, and I'm trying to think. Uh, I've done other stuff at the same time, like coach soccer team. I've done ultramarathon swimming. I swam south to north across Lake Tahoe, which was 22 miles, and I do ultramarathons as well, uh, the longest being 100-miler and then a whole bunch of 50-milers because I like hanging out in the woods. Ah, catered, catered day in the woods is, like, is what I like to call those. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with the news, and then we'll get into Justin's interview. Here we go. All right, the biggest news in technology is the Apple Watch, and that was revealed the other day. You can get one. Uh, around 350 bucks, I think, is the cheapest one. And then they work themselves all the way up to some kind of crazy gold material that's uh, $10,000. <laughs> but anyway, my opinion on the Apple Watch is it's almost there, but it is still a no-go because it is not waterproof. It is water-resistant. And don't go around thinking that water-resistant is going to cut it. Because water resistant is not fun when water works its way into it eventually and then your device is destroyed. Um, I have Jaybird headphones and on occasion I have to replace them because of the sweat and the rain uh, works its way into the uh, system and then shorts it out. And that sucks. It really does suck. Um, 
The Garmin watch, for example, and Sunto and Polar and all these things, uh, if you get a waterproof model, you can swim with it and all that stuff. And the Apple watch, uh, obviously can't swim with it. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool that you can start getting, uh, everything onto your wrist. I have, I have the Garmin 920 XT and it, um, it is really cool getting uh, notifications on it on your wrist. It's also really crappy getting notifications on your wrist every five minutes. So at least you can kind of turn things off and turn things on. Um, yeah, and then having something else to uh, charge uh, every night is lame. Uh, this battery life on this Apple Watch is definitely a no-go. It's 18 hours. And then you got to charge it like no matter what. <laughs> and so you're basically charging it every night. So if you're the type of person that wears a sports watch or wears a watch for sports 24 seven on your wrist, uh, like I do, then, um, you're, you're not going to, uh, enjoy this and you need to wait quite a while before they make it waterproof. And, and I don't know when that's ever going to happen because iPhones are, not waterproof when other devices like there's some Samsungs and some other ones that are waterproof and, or at least water resistant and Apple still will not waterproof their devices. So anyway, uh, so that's the, uh, that's the Apple watch and uh, something to kind of keep your eye on. There's already a Strava, a Strava app for it, which is pretty cool. And I also found out that Kai, my 10 year old son, this is really funny. He wore my Garmin when he ran his 5K the other day, and he got second in his age group. And somebody recorded it as a Strava segment, and Kai was the fastest one. So my 10-year-old has a KOM, a king of the mountain on Strava, <laughs> with only a 23-minute, uh, barely under 24-minute uh, 5K. So I found that last night and showed it to him. He was super excited about it. That is really cool. So you never know. What you can do with technology, it's pretty neat how inspirational it can be. The whole point with the watch is you got to ask yourself, all these watches, is, is it going to get me, uh, is it going to uncomplicate my life, and is it going to get me out doing the stuff that I really want to do? Because the last thing you want to do in triathlon is add yet another layer of stuff to fiddle with before you can get out and uh, go enjoy the outdoors. All right, uh, next thing is there's a little bit of kerfluffle over Lance being on the cover of Lava Magazine uh, with the uh, title Let Him Race and a bunch of big-name pros and people in the industry said, what? What is this? Yeah, <clears throat> I didn't even read the article because um, it's so who knows what that was about. And, um, a lot of people said, well, that that's, that's why, why publish that at all? He's in so much trouble right now that, um, we basically, everybody was saying we don't need this right now in our sport. Triathlon has a really nice grassroots kind of feel to it where we don't, we try to, uh, doping is unacceptable in this sport. Um, and unlike cycling, where it's kind of like, well, it's just a matter of fact, uh, triathlon is like, let's not let that come over to here. And that's, uh, <clears throat> if you were, if you didn't, unaware of that, then uh, that's the way triathlon is. It's pretty cool. All right. Uh, Ventum is a new bike company <clears throat> that seems to have a ton of money behind it uh, to 
put out a bike that is um, out of nowhere and actually has a decent build and decent aerodynamics. It's a pretty neat bike. And what's going on here is this, uh, well, this bike is designed like the old Lotus bike where the it has a single tube that runs from the head tube uh, back to basically the seat post and then it drops down to the cranks. Uh, there is no down tube. There is no uh, seat stays. It doesn't need them. Carbon fiber is so strong. It's not really necessary. So you remove the uh, seat stays. That uh, reduces drag. Um, you remove the down tube. Theoretically, that removes drag. Who really knows? It starts getting into wind tunnel testing and the individual riding style of the rider, and it gets a little crazy. But what's what I like about the bike is the top tube has above it a um, it looks like some kind of silicone encapsulated runs the entire length of the bike uh, hydration bladder that's built into the top of the frame that you can refill on the ride, and it looks really cool. And I'd like to see more of that, of uh, hydration and storage built into the bike frame. And um, that is definitely a cool thing. Uh, turns out Specialized has a patent on the bladder inside the down tube, which you see on the shiv, and in North America or in the United States. And Felt, the Felt IA, was going to have one, but Specialized scared them into not putting it in there. So if you have a felt and you wish you had a bladder in the down tube, well, you can blame Specialized for that. <laughs> and what, I, what I'm really liking is this, um, this movement towards uh, really aerodynamic bike frames that uh, we're seeing the Diamond, these beam bikes, the Diamond, the Falco, and now this Lotus bike and... So we're starting to see a return back to uh, crazy bikes, crazy frames, uh, and it's nice. It's really, really nice. The thing that worries me is these smaller companies, uh, which are just a few people. In cases, in case some cases, just a few people are. Uh, they could just be wiped out by a big company when a big company decides to make a bike like this. So, you know. I have an emotional investment in Diamond because I interviewed the guys and I, I think it's really cool and it's made in the USA and all that stuff. And what is their business model when Specialized or Giant or Trek says, you know what, we're going to make a beam bike now. And then, boom, all they make it for cheaper. Everybody rushes over to it and buys it. And uh, then they get a, they get all their customers for Diamond uh, run over to Specialized and these other big companies, and Diamond can't compete. But a place where Diamond can compete is with uh, customer service and such. And that's what you have to do. You have to uh, distinguish yourself one way or the other. And, yeah, that's cool. But speaking of, of devices, yeah, I just got a text from Emily, my wife, my beautiful triathlete and ultra runner or trail runner, wife and it popped up on my watch it was pretty cool i didn't need to look at my phone all right let's get into the interview with justin i really enjoyed doing this interview and after this interview we're going to do uh questions and answers about how i lost 50 pounds for example um 
a lot of Hornet Juice stuff, how it works, what's going on with it, my last ride with it. And then also I've got to tell you about some really cool interviews that, I, that are coming up that I've already recorded that are coming up in the next shows. So cool. Let's go ahead and get started with Justin. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. Justin. Hey, hey, Brad. Hey, dude. How are you, man? Oh, I'm both tired and not as tired as you. And also, I just had the most amazing thing happen. What's that? Um, I had a friend ask me, it's my age or maybe even a little bit older, so he's like 45 or something. And he asked me to take his son riding with me. Sweet. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a slow ride. This kid's on the road bike, you know, and he's only been biking since January. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I started asking questions like, uh, well, because my only bike that's set up to ride right now is my tri bike. You know, my, I have a road bike, but it's got like flat tires and I just don't ride it that much. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, I was like, man, this is going to, I'm going to do this guy a favor, you know, and ride with his son. <laughs> yeah, help him out. Yeah, and help him out. This, and then my friend said, well, he does 19 miles per hour on a road bike, uh, average, just cruising along. And I remember, I was like, what? Are you serious? You got that right? Are you yeah. serious? And he's like, no, for real. Like, And uh, and then he said, well, he's on swim team and on cross country. And then uh, I said, okay. And then this kid, um, I don't know what we averaged, but like... One one time I dropped him, and then I turned around and was waiting for him for like thirty seconds, thirty seconds, or a minute. Yeah, he's right and, there. And then he go, I go, I was like kind of laughing myself. I go, oh, you probably blew up, huh? You bonk or something? He goes, no, I had to stop and pee. <laughs> it's like, no problem. I was like, he's seventeen years old, and I was like, holy crap! So I'm gonna call his dad later. We just finished like 30 minutes ago so i'm gonna call his dad and say dude you need to sign your kid up for some kind of um development team or something i don't Absolutely, know Absolutely, yeah that kid's like phenomenal sweet yeah it's so, cool if you, you found one you got to be the uh the guy who gets him into it yeah i gotta be not i don't want to be a manager but be a an advocate and be like this kid's gifted like <laughs> absolutely yeah that's crazy especially if he's got the swim in the run from the high school going, yeah. I mean, and then he doesn't—he didn't know anything about nutrition, nothing. Really? Yeah, like he's such a poor cyclist as far as like just skills of like how to ride a road bike. Right. He said he usually pulls over to eat a gel. <laughs> ah, at least he knows what a gel is. I know. I, and I was like, so he's—I was thinking like he's totally beginner, and I'm like, no, he's eating a gel every once in a while. So right. Yeah. So- I was like, oh, my. he's never ridden 50 miles nonstop. So, uh, I don't know. It just blew my mind. That, And that that's the cool thing is like so many people are so good at this stuff and have no idea. Oh, yeah, you know? totally. You never know. And that's why people are, when people tell me like, um, oh, I could never do that. You know, I'm like, dude, you got no idea if you could do this or not. You might be really, really good at it. So, oh, yeah. I think yeah. about that all the time. I mean, I think that triathlon is becoming more mainstream. And I think the more people who just get into it younger, we're seeing it with the younger kids. Yeah. 
we're just finding kids who would naturally go to swimming or would naturally go to whatever, even football or basketball. Football. They're just yeah, yeah. naturally selected to be good triathletes. And yeah. I think we're getting better, but still, you know, there's tons of people who end up going their whole lives without even picking up a bike or, or hitting the pool, you know? I know. It's so. nuts. All right. So you went to Florida, right? Yeah. Well, I've been down here. Okay. So you're, are you still there? Yeah. I'm okay. here. Um, so I've been here since, <laughs> since here. January, um, like right after Louisville. I think I had spoken to you like right when I got down here um, after the, the Maverick camp. And then I've just been down here and it coincided well with the, uh, with the QT2 camp, which was also here. So pretty much everyone came to me. You know, it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody came to you. Yeah. And, uh, I saw, didn't the, who won uh, Challenge Dubai? Wasn't he on an Argon like yours? Yeah, it was yeah. Torenzo. Torenzo. Same bike as me. Yeah, yeah. E one eighteen next. So yeah. I was like, sweet. That was obviously the reason he won. So now you have no excuses, dude. What's going on? What's the problem? Ah, seriously, <laughs> haven't even had my first race of the year yet. So it's good. No, I'm liking it. I know my my first uh, really nice tri bike was the same one that they were riding in the Tour de France. It was a BMC, mm-hmm. and they were riding in the Tour de France team BMC. Like, um, oh, what's his name? A really good time trialist was on the exact same bike, you know. <laughs> but oh yeah, like but, Taylor Finney or something, yeah, or Philippe, whatever Philippe Gilbert, uh, one of the guys, Italian guy. Yeah, it was just like, mm-hmm. but he's doing five miles per hour or seven or eight, you know, faster than you could ever do. Like, was, oh uh, yeah, those guys are unbelievable. Yeah. Um. All right, so we're gonna talk about uh, camp, right? And what's going Sweet. on? And also, you got a you got a major award. You got a leg lamp major award so uh what was it yeah so i was named uh, usa triathlon rookie of the year for 2014 so besides being awesome did you have to pay them for that or, or uh, no <laughs> not really i didn't i didn't pay anyone it was good it was actually a nice surprise you know it was a and surprise was, you had no idea yeah i yeah. i had no idea i mean i had known a little bit before it was public but um i didn't know that i was nominated or anything like that so it was oh. just it was one of those things where they were like hey uh-huh. you well, won i saw in their press release, it was from results in some races around the world, right? Or yeah. What, what races was it that was that set you apart? I think that so. I think post fact, I had spoken to uh, Jared Schumacher, who's kind of like on the athlete advisory committee, who makes that decision, I guess. And he was just saying that they looked at my results and saw the consistency. It wasn't necessarily one performance that blew them out of the park, but what they looked for was a guy who was just you know really really consistent. And they looked at all my results and said, hey. He was in the top 10 in every race he did except for one, and then he was in the top five in, I think, five races or four races. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was just consistently there, and um, I was surprised. I honestly thought it was going to go to one of maybe the new ITU guys. Um, You know, Alan Webb was a first-year pro last year, and I know that um, USA Triathlon likes him um, quite a bit, so I was was glad to get it. yeah, and there were definitely a bunch of other rookies who who were super solid. So it was uh, it was a nice, pleasant surprise to uh, to get the 2015 campaign rocket. So what was the average distance of a race? What kind of races were they that you were doing that got you that? They were all halves, except for I did collegiate nationals to start the year, um, where I was fourth there, and then uh, Memphis in May. That was another just Olympic distance race, which I did, and I was fifth there. Um, but the rest were all 70.3. They were 70.3s. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah. 70.3s is rookie of yeah, the year. 
That's yeah, pretty... I raced a seven seventy point threes. Wow. Okay. So yeah. So it's a pro pro rookie of the year. I'm trying to think this out. So you came up through the age group ranks, um, getting fast enough to do seventy point threes um, uh, competitively. Switched over to pro, and so then your first year pro is seventy point threes. That's exactly. that's pretty yep. impressive, man. That's uh, yeah, thanks. That's pretty cool. Okay, so camp. Uh, yes. who, whose camp was this? So this was the QT2 camp. So Jesse okay. Kropelnicki is my coach. He um, is the founder of QT2 Systems, mm-hmm. and uh, he coaches 15 professional athletes himself, and then he has a bunch of other coaches who work for him, and they also coach professional athletes. So this was a pro-only, 17-day, super-intensive um, camp where we just you know went – we just trained our butts off for 17 days straight. That's, that's pretty much all it was. And, you know, we just eat, sleep, train, and, you know, learn from the other awesome pros who were in town. It was, it was great. Yeah. So before you went in the camp, I remember you, you and I were talking and you said, um, let, let camp get kind of started for a little bit. I don't really know my schedule. And, yeah. um, and then I'll find some time and we'll talk. We'll set up some Skype calls. It'll be great. A mid-camp ha- update. So, I mentioned something like that, I think, at some point yeah. before camp started. That did not happen. And then, because uh, he had y'all just slammed. And then um, there was another pro that I was talking. DMC Try? What's his name? Um, Doug McLean. Doug McLean. Yeah. And he and I were chatting about something. And uh, he said that he wanted to do an interview, too. Oh, and, cool. Uh, and... Um, but he, he'll find some time during camp, some downtime, and then that never happened either. Yeah. So I was like, man, this must this camp must be crazy. Like how? So was it one of these camps where you, you don't know what's going to happen, and it's just constant training and no rest, or or um, did you find it a, a tiring to not know what's coming next or anything or what? So that that was the way things were run. So. We never know what the session is going to be next. We don't know what the the following set is going to be on most instances. So, you know, he'll give us the instructions of we're meeting at the pool at 730 tomorrow morning. We won't know if we're swimming 2K easy or if we're swimming 7K all out. It's just it it could be either or. So you're always on your toes. You're always, you know, if you want to survive camp, you're always on top of your fueling. You're always on top of the recovery techniques. You're always mentally kind of in the game, um, and it really keeps you honest for for every session. So you know you go in and you're never, you know, it's not one of those sessions where it's like, oh, you know what, it's a it's an easy swim today. You know, I can stay out a little bit later tonight, or I can eat a little bit more unhealthy. You're always, you know, you have this mindset of tomorrow could be the hardest, biggest day of my life. I'm going to do everything that I can today to make sure that I'm. Hundred percent prepared for that. <laughs> tomorrow, Most of, that's crazy to think yeah. that to think that tomorrow could be the hardest day of your life and you don't know. Right. To, exactly. Yeah. Like, what yeah. do you do? Well, I guess that teaches you. Okay. So after seventeen days of that, did you come away with a different? I would say I would have come away with saying, you know, with better fueling and better everything because you don't know what's going to happen next. Totally, like, totally on top of your yeah. equipment and way more prepared because you don't know what's going to happen next. So that when you race, you're better able to handle like what it what the race throws at you. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think also the the number one thing that I took away from the you know the way the camp was run is you can do or I found that anyone can do more than what you initially think. So, you know, you get your training program and you might have, let's say you have your biggest day on, on, you have three workouts, all of them are high intensity, all of them are big volume. You look at the schedule, you know, two weeks out and you're going to, you know, for two weeks you're anticipating that one day and you can almost psych yourself out to the point where, you know, you put so much pressure on a single training day or a single training session, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. and you end up getting there and you're so worried about completing it to the way you want to complete it that the session ends up being kind of lackluster and you don't, you know, you don't get as much out of it as if you had gone in with a completely clear mind. So the best part about camp was you would finish uh, one hard workout, you would go right into the next and you wouldn't, you would close the book on one workout, totally work out, fit, focus on the next one. Once you were done with that one, you would worry about the next one. Once you're done with that one, you'd worry about the next one. There was no like saving yourself for a later workout or, you know, going all, it was just, you gave your hundred percent all the time. And, you know, whenever we were given another challenge, it was just, all right, I don't care how tired I am. It doesn't really matter what else we have done today. Uh-huh. It might be getting dark. I might be tired. I might be hungry, but you just get the job done. So it's, it's cool. It was, it was a great experience. So what was one of the, um, what was probably the hardest workout that you had while you were there? Yeah. So, I, first of all, I want to say that it was 17 days and a lot, I was putting out, I wouldn't say a ton of tweets and Facebook posts, but enough where people got a little bit of glimpses Yeah, and I got a lot of feedback saying, Oh my God, you guys got totally hammered every single day. You're going to be crushed. <laughs> but we had very, very hard days and then we had very easy days Yeah, where, I mean, recovery was taken incredibly seriously at this camp. So yeah. it wasn't like we were getting slogged and pounded every single day with hard stuff. I mean, we would, we would go hard, we would recover properly, and then we would go hard again. So I'll preface the, what I'm gonna say, the workout day that I'm going to say now with saying the following day, I think we almost had completely off or like a 2K swim and an easy ride or something. Yeah. Um, so this one particular day, I think it was maybe... <laughs> Well, I'm already, I'm like, already laughing in, in some kind of some kind of fear and pain already because it's just yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Okay. So so and then also keep in mind that he we don't know what's going to come next. Yeah, so right. all right. Yeah, yeah. So I think this was maybe day thirteen or fourteen of camp. We started off in the pool. He says uh, meet at I think it was seven thirty that morning, mm-hmm. and and then he says okay we're going to do an infamous set, um, fifteen by four hundreds descending. Okay. Okay. So that's uh. So you start off super easy for the first five, and then you kind of pick it up, pick it up, pick it up to the point where the last four hundred is like all out. So the first ten of them are fairly steady, but the last five start to get really challenging. Yeah. Um. So how does he so do that by by time? He tells you, yeah. you're going to do your four hundred on a whatever pace or what exactly? Okay. Yeah, and then he said, okay, for the first five, I want you to do them on X. For efforts uh, five through eight, I want you to do them, you know, tw- ten seconds slower, you know, and then we would just ratchet it down, ratchet it down. So it was yeah. always like a twenty second rest interval, yeah. but the leave time was just quicker each each go. Yeah. Um. So fifteen four hundreds, finishing with the last four hundred all out, and <laughs> me and uh, I think you know AJ Balco. Oh yeah. <laughs> you, me and him. Um. We had a. I mean, we were good training partners in camp because yeah. we're relatively similar abilities. And, uh, you know, efforts 10 through 15 got a little hot there and, uh, and we pushed the pace towards the end. So that was, that was six K of work right there on 15, four uh-huh. hundreds. And then, um, he says, okay, hundred easy. And we're thinking, okay, great. We're done. That was a hard set. We get back to the wall. 
And then he says uh, 800 all-out time, tri- time trial after that set. Wow. Um, so that was like a 7K workout mm-hmm. um, in the pool, and that was the longest swim I had ever done, and it was all intensity, but it went by quickly and was fun. Um, 7K is a long ways, man. Yeah. yeah, but it went by like totally quick. Yeah. Um, so we did that in the morning, um, and then we rode. Um, we had a three-hour ride after that. Mm-hmm. Um, with some like over gear low cadence stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, excuse me. Uh, wait, <laughs> wait I he, forgot. When he's on I the, forgot already. When y'all are I'm biking, sorry. does he pull up next to you in a golf cart yelling at you with a megaphone? Oh, in the car. In, in the, the car? car? I mean, he, doesn't yell, he doesn't yell at us, but they had a van that was following us around all of camp with like Gatorade and power, like, yeah. like whatever we needed. But how does he uh, tell you what to do next? Does he like ride it on a dry erase board or does he yell it through a megaphone or just what? We like meet up. So he says like, okay, well let's meet up at this like bike location. Uh-huh. He gives us the, the next instructions. So we all ride over to the bike meetup. He says, we're going to do an hour set, whatever we do the time trial or effort or whatever it is. Yeah. We come back, we cool down, whatever. It's all just like segmented. Okay. But I'm um, getting back to that day. So yeah. Uh, now I'm remembering, before the 7K swim, we ran like 10 miles steady. Oh, yeah. Why not? Yeah, that was kind of no big deal. So steady. it was just like, whatever. <laughs> it was just a boring swim. So, okay. So we swim. We run the 10 miles in the morning. We swim the 7K with that hard set. We ride three hours with like an hour of overgear mm-hmm. time trial work. Um, and then now, you know, I get home. It's like 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I, I get back. And everything for the camp is done through email. I look at my phone, I'm like, you know what? Time for pizza, time for kicking the feet up, time for hanging. Yeah. And I look at my phone, it says, meet at the track at 4.30 p.m. And I'm just like, that was the first time at camp where I was like, oh my gosh, this is, what, what could he possibly have in store for us? Yeah. And we finished the day with four by one mile repeats, descending best efforts um, after that whole training day. Four, oh my God. Yeah. Dude. That's so that crazy. was yeah, that was like day thirteen. But keep in mind, yeah. we followed that up with like I think the next day we swam two k easy, and that was it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a that was definitely a monster. So what happens? Well, okay, what does that feel like in your legs and your arms, like doing that kind of work and then having to keep going? Do you just did did anybody like just fail out and like just go? I can't do this anymore. You don't have I to don't, name names. Yeah, I don't think that anyone. Um, from a psychological perspective said I'm quitting now uh-huh. but there were a decent number of people who were pulled from workouts throughout all of camp Yeah, because they just either didn't stay on top of their fueling or they didn't have the base work coming into camp that like I did yeah. um, so a lot of people got decreased workloads a lot of people got you know half the reps half the intervals half the time less bike riding yeah. um I, I did everything that was prescribed, but I think I came into camp with a very good base underneath me. Yeah. Um, so I could pretty much handle anything that was thrown my way. Okay. And then what was um, what happens if you're on a you're you're doing one of these rides and you have a, a flat tire? Is there, the van comes and throws another wheel under you and says <laughs> keep going or or what? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, everyone carries flat kits, and you know we just wait up and wait for people to change the flat. It's not like. It, for the you know, if we're in the middle of a time trial, I'm not going to stop and help my buddy fix his flat. But if we're rolling out easy to the bike meetup, or if we're cooling down, well, thankfully the group that I was riding with to and from 
the bike meetup every day. We didn't get, and I didn't get any flats all of camp. I'm, I'm riding Vittoria tires and they're just as good as they get. So, yeah. um, yeah, you know, I have no flats at all. Super easy. Wow. No flats. Okay. Nope. So what kind yeah. of tires are these? What are you riding? These are, I'm running the open course of CX for training or for racing, excuse me. And I think I might even had those on my, uh, on my envies. I'm riding my envies, um, for training and racing. And I think I had those on there, um, for, for the camp as well. Um, no flats at all. Wow. And then how many miles do you think you, you did at camp? Oh man, I, you can follow me on Strava and see, but a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I mean, we were riding, I mean, we did, uh, um, probably three rides over a hundred. Yeah. Um, we got a 120 in. Um, I mean, pretty consistent around 60, 70. That was no big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, mostly every day we were riding. You know, we were getting in the mileage for sure. Most of it. I mean, it was definitely bike heavy. We didn't. We didn't run as much as I anticipated, honestly. Um, just hearing some of the stories from camp before, but. You know, I think Jesse's thought process was in previous years, people have come out of this camp and been completely fried. And, you know, he just really wanted to put everything in context this year and say, hey, the goal of camp is to get people ready to race. If you're coming out of the camp completely zonked and you need to take two weeks off from camp, the purpose of camp wasn't achieved. We want people coming out of this bulletproof, completely solid, ready to tackle the race season rather than completely burned out in March. That's not the goal. So. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. There's some uh, different personalities there. Uh, yes. Um, who was the funniest person there? Uh, the funniest. Wait, wait, wait. Let's let's do okay. this. Like, okay, you're a lot younger than me, though. But let's see. Who, if you had to compare people to uh, like sitcom or like movie characters, who would who would who be? Okay. Um. I don't know about movie characters, but I'll tell you the funny. I'll, I'll just name off a couple of the people at camp who were who were cool. Um, I, I mean, obviously everyone was cool, but yeah. you know, just from like a living perspective, everyone kind of lived in different places, so I got a little bit closer with different people. Yeah. Um, funniest definitely is Jim Lubinsky. I'm not sure if you know Jim. Yeah, I've heard of him. Um, but he lives out in uh, in L.A. now, and he's we're actually from kind of like a similar suburb in Chicago. And he's just hilarious. Yeah. Um, he's like an ex-professional hockey player, mm-hmm. and he's just super nice, super funny guy. Um, I, I, when I saw his name that he was there, I was like, "That's that guy." I did a Skype show with him one time with uh, the real Starkey. Oh, really? Yeah, we did a draft for the for Starkey, and mm-hmm. uh, and it was Lebinsky on that. Yeah, he was hilarious. I think he's got a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Jim was hilarious, and obviously, you know AJ. Uh huh. Super nice guy, and he's definitely a fiery personality. So, did uh, AJ, how many fights did AJ get into? Did he did he beat up any cops? He got no. He got really close to fighting one guy, though. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. What happened? Yeah. What? No, I, I think it was no big deal. I mean, at, at the end of camp, everyone's just getting a little testy, and you get these, you know, the highs and lows of emotion, and you know, tempers flare when we're all just. You know, it's day sixteen of seventeen, and yeah. you know we're all tired, and you know just dragging, dragging butt a little bit. So, but no, it's all good. Everything, everyone kept it light, lighthearted. And I would, and, I would pay to watch AJ fight. Yeah, I know he was. Uh, he was telling me some good stories oh, from, he's his, a scrapper, uh, from his man. end days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so then uh, what about uh, do a, uh, a couple more guys and then, then some of the girls. Sure. Yeah. Um, other guys. I mean, I got. Um, I rode out with Doug uh, McLean, who you said that you 
briefly went back and forth with. He's mm-hmm. a super nice guy. He lives out in Boulder. Yeah. Um, he's just he's just hilarious. Um, he's uh, yeah. He's just one of those hard people uh, to describe, but he's just really funny. Um, really now, nice. He's an older guy, right? And he went to the Naval Academy. Am I thinking I'm of the sure. same guy? I, he rode. He rode crew. I know. Yeah. I think at Cornell. Um, oh, okay. And he's. I wouldn't say he's older. Maybe thirty-four. Oh. Um, Okay. Yeah, but he's just uh, he's a super nice guy. And then another dude who I got really close with is this uh, a new pro, first year pro. He actually just had his first pro race today at Clear, at the draft legal race in Claremont. Uh, Will Jerkowski, he's another dude from Boulder. Um, funny enough, coached by Doug. So um, <laughs> yeah, so we all kind of like run in similar circles here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so those are kind of the guys that I was hanging out with at camp. I mean, I stayed closer to the NTC, the National Training Center in Claremont, and there was the majority of people were staying out like maybe 10, 15 miles away. So we would kind of meet at this bike meetup and then do our sessions. So obviously you're going to chat a little bit more with the people who you're riding with every day easy over to the bike meetup with. So yeah. um, that was my crew from here. And then the the girls, I mean, um, Angela Nath, yeah. um, she was down here. Super, super nice. Um, learn a lot from her. She's amazingly strong on the bike. Yeah. she's. I was going to ask, uh, did you get to see where they put the motor on her bicycle? I don't know. But we were doing these. We had one day where we had um, three by ten minutes, essentially. It was like this loop, this little like, crit loop that we did. Uh-huh. Um, time trial, like it was three of them. And you had to get faster each one, otherwise you get pulled from the workout. That we did a lot of stuff like that, where it was like, you must get faster, otherwise you're pulled. Oh, cool. um, using shaming as a as a yeah. uh, as a method to improve. Right. Well, yeah. that and you got to sit on the sidelines and watch everyone finish the workout. Yeah. And also, you got it. You have to get stronger, and you have to learn how to pace yourself. So that was a really good yeah. tool. Use that a lot. Yeah. Um, but Angela, I mean, she would just she was ripping around these courses, and you know, me and the top, you know, some of the other like stronger cyclists were talking. We're like, "Oh, what was your time?" And we'd say like, "Oh, it was like you know, ten, eleven minutes." And we're thinking, you know, Angela's a professional female, and obviously she's amazing. But you know, we were thinking, "Oh, she's going to say like twelve, thirteen. She's like, "Oh, eleven thirty. If we're saying like eleven minutes, it's like, "Oh my gosh, she is up there. She is yeah. just she's super strong." Yeah. Um, Oh, and, and then, she, uh, you're saying she's on Strava. So if people want to get terrified, go look at her on Strava. Yeah, and then uh, you are too. So what? What are you on Strava? Is Justin Metzler or something? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's me. Okay. Yeah. So I'm on there. I post most of my training sessions and with power. You can see all. You of, say with power. Yeah. Yeah, with power. All with heart. Right. Cool, man. All nothing right. to hide. And nothing to hide. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So you can go there and see all that. I posted all of my bike and run workouts from camp. So if you're interested in seeing any of the numbers and yeah any of the mileage and whatever, yeah. go on there and check it out. Um, yeah. Send me a question. If you have any, I'll answer it for sure. <laughs> how? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Some of those rides, you'd be like, how did, like, what, what how was this? How in the world did you do that? Okay, so yeah. uh, what are, who were some of the other girls there? You, you posted, uh, or people posted some pictures. There's a How many people were there? There was a lot. There was 24 at all times. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, wow. it was a big group, and there was – it f- came in and out, so we had some people who were only there for like the first ten days, and some people who came in for like the last ten days. Yeah, uh, but at all times, I think it was like right around twenty-four. Okay, uh, who were some of the other girls? Uh, Lindsay Corbin, she oh, was here. Yeah. She's famous. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's like one of the one of the big names in triathlon. So that was kind of cool. I went in with like, uh, you know, 
I've been a fan of the sport of triathlon my whole life since I was 13, just been like kind of oogling over the magazines and looking through yeah. slow twitch and all the stuff. And you, know, you always, Lindsay Corbin is like a big name. So for me to actually meet her in person was kind of like a trip. Angela was the same thing. It was like, yeah. holy crap, these are people who are on the cover of magazines and I'm here like chatting to them like it's no big deal. So that was nice um, and super cool. Um, otherwise, let's see. Um, Brianna Baird and Chris Baird. Do you know them? No, no. They're out of uh, San Francisco. They came for the second half of camp. Yeah. So we gave we gave them a little bit of a hard time about that because they came in all <laughs> Welcome. fresh. Welcome. You got to haze them while they show yeah. up. Yeah. Well, you know, we're all tired from the first ten days of camp, yeah. and they come in the last ten days, and uh, you know, it was it was fine though. They got tired real quick for sure. You know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but they're just super nice couple. They're married and they live out in San Francisco. Did, um, did that thing happen like in the Tour de France, where actually after a while you you get you do good for the first few days and then you blow up and then you finally figure out how to sustain and then you get stronger towards the end? Yeah, I think that happened for some people. I was super consistent. I mean, I I just went in with you know my workman mentality, put my hard head on and whatever was prescribed. I just went out you're, there. And, uh, where, where are you? Your your Indiana mentality. Iowa, Iowa. Iowa. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Des Moines, Iowa? No, well, I my friends are from Des Moines. Um, I'm I'm from Chicago originally, but I went to school in Iowa City, so oh. I've been there for the last wait, four wait. years. I don't know if we talked about that before. What part of Chicago? What part of Chicago? Oh, a Glenview? Glenview. Hmm. Yeah, I, it's I lived a summer, two summers in Hoffman Estates. Oh, yeah, that's not far. It's probably like 20 minutes away. Yeah, cool. All right, so we're good. We're bros. Yeah, absolutely. Chicago yeah. pro. <laughs> Chicago. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So then, um, uh, ice falling off of skyscrapers on top of and killing people, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, uh, let's see. What other questions do I have? How, what in the world do you eat to, how many calories a day do you think you were burning on like a big day? And then what did you eat to, um, to keep up with this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were, I mean, like those big days, you know, like the day I described, you're, I mean, you're burning like seven, 8,000 calories, more than that. I mean, it's like a tour. Oh my God. The way I looked at camp was obviously it's not like the Tour de France, but it's similar. Mm-hmm. 17 days is a long time. There weren't any rest days. There was easy days, but there weren't rest days. Yeah. And I would say it, it's very it, similar because the tour, yeah. they finish, what do they do? Like five hours a day or something like that? Maybe yep. four to yeah. five hours a day. Do you think we were was, right around there? Yeah, you're right around there. Yeah, and then yeah, you didn't have any official break. That's it's very similar to the tour. Yeah, so I kind of treated it like that, and you know, everyone who I was talking to who had done the camp before was just like, "Hey, look, take the week before, eat as much as you can. Whenever you're <laughs> not thinking, eat more." So yeah. honestly, I think I might have even gained weight over camp because I was just like super on top of stuff and. Jesse, uh, the coaches that were there were Jesse um, himself, mm-hmm. who's my personal coach and then is the owner of QT2, uh, Tim Snow, um, who's like his right-hand man, and then like a whole group of other coaches, um, yeah. John Spinney, Tara Rausch, um, a whole bunch of other people. And their primary job, except for supporting us during the workouts, Jesse administers the workouts, tells us what to do. And then all the other coaches, pretty much their whole job is just slam nutrition down our throats during any training session. Yeah. All the time. So we're always having something. You know, they're yeah. just they're trying to just get calories in, um, having bananas on the car and and food. And I, I mean I even because like regular sports drinks, we we've done a bunch of testing, but for some reason regular sports drinks don't sit well with me, so I have to use infinite. Mm-hmm. Infinite's like the only thing that doesn't give me like these weird side stitches. 
Jesse's, you know, completely has no idea why, but load up so the car with the infinite. In and your in your infinite mix, what do you what's in your infinite mix? Because you can that's highly customizable. So what what is Yeah. I make mine relatively um like similar to any other brand sports drink. Um, but it's got like 210 calories, 52 grams of carbohydrate, I think like 550 milligrams of sodium, and that's pretty much all I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we're always just having some sort of nutrition to just get that stuff in, regimented on a schedule every half an hour with some type of food, and then um, we're getting the sports drink on top of that. And then outside of training, I mean, just carbohydrates, high-quality proteins, and tons of fruits and vegetables when I can. You know, that's that's pretty much what I what my go to was. Tons of peanut butter. I think I went through like four jars of peanut butter while I was here. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, like oh, probably sixty bananas in seven seventeen days. I mean just Oh my god. Yeah, I mean just tons of bananas. All right, so you're not uh, all living together though, right? Because I had this no. picture in my mind, but then yeah, once I started thinking about it, no, we're adults. We're not we're not at a, a band camp or something like that, right? So right. you're adults, so you have your own place you're staying at. You you weren't you were by yourself at a place or where where are you? Yeah, so I was kind of an outlier more or less. So yeah. when I came down here in January, I hooked up with Sarah McClarty, and I've been staying at her house. Yeah. Um. Just and it it made more sense for me to stay here just because I was so settled, so comfortable. I'm two miles away from the pool, um, and I could the majority of the QT two athletes all kind of rent a house out like in Groveland or something like. It's like twenty miles away from the pool. QT two house, like in yeah. like in Kona or like uh, exactly. pipe, at Pipeline, like the Quicksilver house. Right, exactly, just something like that. But yeah. it's out in like some. They stay up all know, night watching Kona videos, and I don't think so. I think it's more like seven thirty p.m. They all get in their Normatex yeah. and then go to sleep. Oh, okay. Uh, so we should mention that when uh, when we were trying to arrange this phone call right now that we're on. The Skype yeah. call. I said um, because I have no idea what was going on today, and you and I were talking a couple of days ago. And I said, uh, "What about?" And I didn't know what time zone and stuff. And it turns out, yeah, you are an hour later than me. You're East Coast while I'm Central. Mm-hmm. But I said, "This is such a triathlete thing." And how old are you? Uh, twenty-one. Yeah, <laughs> twenty. I was just cracked up when you said this. I said, "What about what was my first one? Like uh, eight or seven or yeah?" Uh, no, I think you uh, said you said seven thirty Central, which would have been eight thirty Eastern yeah. my time. And how many twenty-one-year-olds yeah. on a Saturday night go? Uh, I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> I think I, I may not be awake by then. And I was like, Yeah. I was like, This is two totally different worlds because I totally understood. You know, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, okay. He's he's cooked, man. So and he, you're used to going to bed early, so you can get up in the morning and do stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I need my ten hours of sleep a night. You know, I need my beauty rest. Critical. <laughs> Some of us more than others. Me, I need yeah. a lot of beauty rest. So okay, yeah. okay. Anyway, back to the. Um, so there was a house with where a lot of the athletes yeah. were staying together. There were, you- I think they had two houses out there or something. But I mean, honestly, it was much better to stay where I stayed because they had to drive like twenty minutes to the pool every day, mm-hmm. and they were still an hour away from where an hour bike ride away from where we met up for the bikes for the bike workouts every day. Yeah, I was an hour away, right? Anyways, so. It just made more sense for me to stay here. Yeah. Um, AJ and Doug and my buddy Will, who I mentioned previously, they were all staying near the NTC. So the four of us would just ride to the bike meetup together. We would meet the other 20 people who were staying at the houses, and it was perfect. And in the morning, instead of having to wake up 30 minutes early to go to the pool, I could wake up, I could sleep an extra 20 minutes, mm-hmm. 
get to the pool in five minutes because it's right next to my house and uh, so did really you no find, skin off my back. Did you find that um, – I, I still got a bunch of questions for you. This is good stuff. So what yeah. was uh, – you were staying by yourself, um, but did you have any um, – did you have any nights where you just zoned out watching movies or something like that? You were so tired that you couldn't. Did you just like flop down on the couch? Did you order? Did you at night you get back to your place and order pizza and just like, oh my god, I can't believe this, and just eat yourself into a coma or anything like that? Watching TV? Not, not really. Or you I were mean, like so terrified of what might happen the next day that you just like went right to bed to to recover. As yeah. I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I was kind of probably somewhere in the middle. I never really ordered pizza. That's not really me, anyways. I mean, we went out for pizza one night as a team, uh-huh. and I enjoyed that. That was after our big day that I had mentioned. I was like, "Bring on the pizza!" But more or less, I was just trying to like come, you know, try and keep it chill. I mean, I'm still in school too. Oh, so yeah. while we were doing this whole camp, I was still taking my 15 credits of online cl- classes to finish <laughs> up my degree in Iowa, which was a whole other thing. I don't know how I'm not failing out right now because most days I would just come home and be too tired from that. But there were, there were a handful of occasions when I'd come home and have to listen to some sort of online lecture about oh my God. African art or something, one of the gen eds <laughs> that I have to take. And I was like, this is the last thing that I want to be doing with my life right now. Yeah. But, but you I graduate, man. Up. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, and, but I, you know, we got things to do, so wow. made it happen, and and I'm through it now. So that's crazy. Made it work. Okay, so what are some of the um, what are some of the funnier things that happened during the uh, during the week? Like things that you just y'all all, all okay. just like busted yeah. out laughing, like oh my god. Oh yeah. Okay, I got a good one. So <laughs> the first day of camp, so Jesse um is really big on strength work in the pool. Mm-hmm. So we were doing a lot of stuff with paddles, a lot of stuff with band, a lot of stuff with buoy. Mm-hmm. And I think the first maybe six, five, six days in a row, we did like long, continuous sets with buoy. Mm-hmm. And AJ has... <laughs> I knew AJ was involved in this. Of course. Oh. Did he throw so, something? Yeah. So <laughs> AJ, AJ's buoy, for some reason, would like chafe his inner thigh. And so he literally... Well, and we AJ, were doing AJ's got a lot going on down there from what I hear. Yeah, who knows? Um, Well, just not. I'm not saying like volume. I'm just saying just a lot of action. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot Um, of there's a lot of movement going on down there. So yeah, there's a lot of chafing potential. Right. So he maybe he (laughs) he was already chafed going into camp. Yeah. Who knows knows what he does? I mean, that's yeah. That's not for us to talk about here. No, it's not. Um, Okay. So we so he had this buoy and it would just it just kept chafing his leg. So literally for like the first week of camp, all we heard him complaining about was this chafe on his leg. Yeah. Uh, it was just hilarious. Um, yeah, he couldn't. But you know, every day we you know Jesse would say, "All right, you need X, you know, whatever swim tools." And every day he would say, "AJ, this buoy is for you." And everyone <laughs> looked over at him, shave, roll his eyes back. So. No, that was definitely a good time. He needed lanolin cream on that or something. Uh, something. I think he was telling me he tried everything. I was like, you can get some tagaderm. You need some <laughs> lubiderm. Who knows what you need, but you need something. All right. Um, well, what's something else that happened that was funny? Did y'all have – what happened out on the road? Did y'all get uh, yelled at or screamed at by anybody or um, – Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's – I mean, it's Florida. We were riding out in the boonies, gator yeah. country. You get plenty of trucks who come by and give us Isn't a finger. Isn't it amazing how redneck Florida can be? Oh, crazy redneck. Yeah, yeah. It's really bizarre. Um, yeah. The mountains of California can be that way, too. That really surprised me. But you're yeah. out in California riding around in, in the mountains, and some car, 
almost runs you off the road with a Confederate flag on the back. And you're like, I don't think California was involved in that war. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong part of the country. Yeah, yeah. But they're into it. You know, you're like, this is so bizarre. How? That's yeah. a whole other level of redneck. Yeah. All right. I got, I got one more story that I just okay. thought about. So this happened on the final day of camp. So we, um, okay. So the, the last day of camp, I'll just give a quick recap of the training day. We're all pretty fried. Yeah. Day 17, we're all tired. Yeah. Previous, in previous years, you know, all the guys who had done it before were like, oh, Jesse lets us off easy on the last day. We always finish by noon so we can have some sort of barbecue and hang out or whatever. I'm like, sweet, we're going to go to the pool. We'll swim. We'll hang out. We'll have barbecue. Everyone will chill before we go home. Okay, we get to the pool. It's 8 a.m. Is this a he lie? Says, Does this, did they tell us as a lie? Because when I was I in, the, in the core in, at, at A&M, there's a big lie that every, your freshman year that they say that's going to happen. I don't know. And then you, been the lie starts and you're like, oh, wow, this is going to be great. And then all of a sudden everything turns on you and it's on purpose. And they keep it a big secret every year. This could have been that. I don't yeah. think so because everyone was relatively as demoralized as me when we got to the pool. <laughs> and he says, all right, guys, 60-minute time trial all out in the pool, last day of camp. Oh, I kind of so like that. So that was that was a tough one, but it was, it was good and we got through it. All right. Um, so we do that. And then everyone kind of had a different ride for the day. Like some people had super easy hours. Some people didn't ride at all, but I think me and maybe like five other people had a three hour ride to do. And I was like, all right, it's okay. So we get the three hour ride done and then we go over to, there's this like clay trail loop, um, out in Claremont. It's great. It's like this, it's clay. I mean, it's, it's amazing. 10 mile loop, um, hilly and, and awesome. So we go out there and we just run. It's like, we run like a 10 mile loop, pretty steady. And we come back and we're like, Oh, okay, great. Camp's over. We're all, you know, five and stuff. Um, it's all yeah. good. And so, you know, we're thinking camp's over. This is great. And so Jesse gets everyone back to the car. You know, I put my shirt on, I'm about to have a recovery shake. I'm just kind of like hanging out. And Jesse says, all right, guys, everyone get together. And he, takes his foot in the clay and draws a line, like a start line, after we just finished this 10-mile run. And there was people blowing up left and right. It was like 95 degrees, hot and humid. Oh, my gosh. He draws the line. We're all thinking, what's he going to do for the last session of camp? One mile all out, 5K time trial. What, what's it going to be? Yeah. I, I, I'm there. I'm already like ready to you know, go home and whatever. I take off my shirt again, reset my Garmin, my shoes. I'm like sitting there ready to go. And he says, Great job, guys. Camp's over. And that was it. He was just pulling <laughs> us. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. It was, it was fun. Yeah. But it was good. Keep us on our toes. A little prankster. Yeah. Well, uh, so what are some of the things that you um you came away from camp learning that, that maybe, uh, hold on, I'm trying to plug in my, my, power, my laptop's about to run out of juice. Okay, sure. That's why there was all the hand waving around in the other room there. <laughs> I was like, no where's the cord? Uh, of course, then my wife has no idea what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> She's like, what? Um, let me plug it in. So uh, um, did you learn – there's lots of things, you know, like that you can do more than you thought you could and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like so what's something physical – like something mental and something physical and something technical do you think that you learn yeah. from camp? Okay. Um, let's start with technical. So I think that maybe these – I wouldn't necessarily say these are things that I've learned because I know more or less most things to know about triathlon, just the basics. But just some things that really like kind of hit home over the 17 days was 
okay, from a technical standpoint, we got rained on yeah. like, like five times on long rides. And I would come home every night exhausted from training. And I would sit there and you know hose down my bike, relube my chain, grease all my parts, make sure everything, my bike is in tip-top shape because the last thing you want to do is get out there and have a mechanical, have a rusty chain, have squeaky parts. Yeah. That's not pro. That's no. super not pro. No, it's not. No. Yeah, make sure your DI2 battery is charged. I mean, just yeah. like make sure that your stuff is functioning properly from a technical yeah. standpoint. So was that yeah. – how long does that take after a ride? Is it half an hour? Is it yeah, you about, get into about half? a half an hour? Okay, so it's definitely yeah, worth I mean, it doing that. It's it's worth doing it, and just especially because you pay so much money. Most people, you know, everyone pays money to get their stuff. In you know, you pay for the best gear. You want to keep it in good condition. You don't yeah. want that stuff to be in bad shape. And from a performance perspective, if you're out there riding with you know a jacked up drivetrain with all the soot and sand from the road, it's That's slowing you down. So ten watts. 15 watts. After. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, make sure your Garmin's are charged. Stuff Like I said, DI2 batteries charged. I mean, camp saw all of that. People who had DI2 batteries die. People who had Garmin's not working. Heart rate monitors dying. Um, chains yeah. and cassettes completely sanded out and not shifting properly. Wow. You know, chains drop. It just it's, it stuff happens because you come home from so a seven-hour training. Yeah. Yeah, you come home from a seven-hour training day in the rain, and the last thing you want to do is clean your bike. But, um, yeah, from a technical standpoint, I just I try to stay on top of that stuff. And that was something yeah. that Jesse reminded us, like, hey, guys, we have an easy day today. Make sure you're cleaning your bikes, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. From a psychological standpoint, um you got to I think one thing that I took away from camp was you just kind of got to relax a little bit in your training. I think that that was something that I really <laughs> You got to relax learned. after that? I've well, not, like, I wouldn't yeah. say necessarily afterwards, but I would say more so like in the training sessions because I'm I can get a little yeah. bit high strung on things and I think that people think I'm this like wound up like Yeah. You know, I only, you know, I need to go to bed by 8 o'clock and I only eat this or only eat that or do this or do that and Yeah. You know, I have my ways, and there are certain things that I won't budge on. But there are some times where you just gotta like, you just gotta roll with it, and yeah. whatever whatever we're doing today is what's going down. And what's if, something you won't budge on? What's a typical Justin uh, hard rule for yourself? Um, I don't know. Like, I don't really eat out too often. I don't yeah. eat McDonald's. Oh, a good one is uh, these guys. A couple of the guys, you know, we would go finish a training day yeah. and there's this like donut place here called donut king yeah and they would go there <laughs> yeah. and they'd have like half a dozen donuts after training but dude that's terrible don't and that's do that. just not me yeah. and that's just not me so we go in there and you know these guys would be pounding donuts and i'm just like nah none no for me guys no, um that's bad so yeah, that, dude yeah yeah for, i think most of it's honestly from a nutrition the standpoint. calories the calories you need right i guess yeah. but that's loaded with so much just crap it's gonna make you feel bad after a while yeah absolutely and especially after like the day where i'm consuming like three thousand calories of sports drink and whatever the last thing i want is a sugary donut yeah yeah okay yeah so that that's one thing is just kind of like donut king (laughs) i mean that's the that's the the bomb out here in claremont if you're not if you're not donut king fan you're not you're not doing life right i guess but uh i think y'all took a picture of it like and posted it i remember seeing something about that Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think just like kind of, you know, relaxing and making sure that you're not going into any particular training 
uh, session with too high a stress because mm-hmm. the stress will just compromise the training session. And the reason that we're here and the reason that we all train is to train as hard as possible. So, and so on that, is it kind of like I would view that as because uh, the people that I coach, um, a lot of I get emails every once in a while like, "How can you tell I'm getting better?" You know, like uh, what are some metrics that they can tell? And I'm like, just the fact that you're consistent and that we're mixing in intervals kind of here and there and that you're doing the volume and that yep. in your training log, you're happy, you know, and you, yep, and, totally. and I'm like, that is how I can tell if you just keep doing that endlessly, you know, with an occasional uh, rest day or easy week or something, then you're going to improve. And yeah, there's not much more to it than that. Like to, re- are you saying like, that's that's how I see like to relax and just kind of not stress out about things too much, you know. Totally. Yeah, I think that you know, from my perspective is what I want from camp and also just my general tra- my training in general is I want to wake up in the morning and I want to be motivated to go out there and yeah. freaking smash it. Yeah. I want to go out there and I want to put my body through a world of pain the day that I'm not amped to wake up and go hurt myself. I don't see myself, you know, doing too much in the sport anymore. You know what I mean? So I think that from a psychological perspective and also a training plan perspective, you got to keep that in mind. You know, if, if you're training so much that you're not hungry in the morning to go train, then it's, you're not, you know, you're not doing it right. So you got to strike that balance of training hard enough to get the most out of yourself, but not stepping over that line and getting burned out. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, kind of something that I picked up. So what would be, um, I guess we should wrap this up. Let's see. Uh, what would, uh, after all this training in this camp, what would you pass on to other people? Something that, that you kind of learn from all this. And then also, how do you see your season shaping up after doing this kind of training? What are, what are you going to do different after this camp? Now that you've, you've done this, you know, going into the season, do you, do you understand, uh, jesse's coaching style a little bit better like what he means when he what he says or um like uh uh, like how to train or how to race or 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 what yeah so a couple things number one i think the major takeaway that i came away from camp with was it's a lot a hell of a lot easier to work hard and enjoy triathlon when you're training with other people so yeah i literally most of my career i've always trained solo and then having the opportunity to train with people of similar abilities doing the exact same workout is huge. So, you know, for people, if they can pair up with a buddy of similar ability levels to bike and run with, you can get in like a master's program or something for the swim. I think that's enormous. And it was, and that realization was enough for me to actually kind of switch my plans. And instead of going, finishing up my stay here in Claremont and going back up to Iowa city, I'm actually going to go to Boulder for the summer. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be there all summer just cause I want to be with people. Are you worried a little bit about overtraining being around too many other people and getting like, uh, um, uh, yeah, just overtrained. Like every ride is a hammer fest or something like that. How are you going to keep it relaxed enough to not do that? Yeah. I mean, um, actually Jesse and I had spoken about that a little bit and I think I'm a good personality fit in Boulder because I don't, get wrapped up in that stuff. Yeah. I get my workout. I get my zones. I stick to them. If you guys want to ride, you know, threshold right now yeah. and I'm riding easy, see you tomorrow. Yeah. Whatever. I'm doing yeah. my thing. I'm the same um, way. I got over that real yeah. quick after I learned that I was a bad idea. 
Yeah, it's just not good to follow other people's training programs. You've got to follow your own thing, and especially in the QT2 system where everything's very regimented, very dialed, yeah. um, you know, it, it's not a good idea to go out there and ride harder or easier than you're supposed to. So then you're saying it's more like being around a community of people that are in your same uh, yeah. ability level. Yeah, that and also just more from a social perspective, you yeah. know, just have people who I connect with and who I enjoy my company and who I, you know, I just, I feel accepted with these people and it's just, you know, something I've never had before. I've always just felt like this kind of like pariah triathlon kid who does his own thing and sticks to his own ways and doesn't talk to anybody and is this hermit. <laughs> and over camp, it's like, you know, if you get to know me, I'm actually a relatively personable guy and, you know, yeah. if we get along, then great. And I'm just thinking... I'm assuming that Boulder is going to be like that, and it's going to have more similar people. Um, yeah. It's weird when I went to Boulder and, and was there for like a week or so. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd see professional triathletes like just crawling out of the woodwork, like everywhere, and it, they aren't actually. Right, it's a college town. It's a bigger college town with just lots of random people of all different kinds, and lots of bizarre people too. Boulder attracts like some pretty freaky people, and yeah. uh, and. So no, it's not the the good thing is is it's not a bunch of triathlon freaks so that you're like I'm sick of this place, right? right? But but it is they are everywhere when you look for them. When you right. want to find So like we're running around the high school track and there's Chrissy Wellington like just yeah. zooming laps around, you know? And it's like holy crap. And then um uh when I went swimming at the pool, there weren't any other triathletes in the pool at the moment that were famous that I knew of. But um, an hour before I was there, Dave Scott was teaching a class. I heard, right. I heard it was like on the chart or something like that. And I'm yeah. like, oh, so like th- there's some real talent there, but it's not annoying. It's like when you want right. it. Yeah. Yeah, I think my, my primary motive, honestly, to go out there was um, to train with AJ. Um, yeah. Because we got along super well at camp. I mean, just from a personal perspective, we're tight. Um, we get along well. We're similar abilities in the swim, um, can challenge each other on the bike and the run. And, you know, because we're both coached by the same person, we thought it would be good if we could be with each other for the majority of our training over the summer, especially because our race schedules are kind of similar. So yeah. we'll have a six to eight week block there, kind of consecutive, where, you know, we can get the exact same training session from our coach and just push each other. So that, um, that'll be nice. And plus will, um, will Jerkowski is going to be out in Boulder and a, a couple other people. I think Doug will be in and out. So, yeah, um, it just makes sense for me to be around people with a similar system. So that's kind of, kind of the plan moving forward. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. yeah. And then to answer the second part of your question, I think that, um, just from a racing season perspective, race schedule perspective, I'm doing San Juan 70.3 next week. Right. I got um, a guy I'm coaching that's doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So first race of the year is coming up. So Have you ever done it. it before? Nope. Yeah, it's been the, my first time. I remember looking up the race course for him, and there's a, pretty much of a kicker of a hill, and you got to run it. The run course is three laps, out and back. Yeah. So it's not even it's loops. It's like, I think it's out and back, out and back, out and back. And there's a big hill on, well, I mean, big-ish, sort of. Um, but supposedly once the run course is brutal. I mean, uh, everyone is tell- people are telling me it's like five minutes slower, something astronomical. Yeah, you think? but that's just what I've heard. It might be the heat and then that hill. Every, might be. Check out the run. Uh, you will, I'm sure. But the uh, the hill stands out, and then you have to run it three times is is pretty interesting. But it, when you look at the elevation graph of it, it doesn't look like it's that much. So I don't know. And that's 
that's what I've been saying to people. It's like I looked at the chart, but they're like, the chart doesn't mean anything. It's totally oh, inaccurate. Oh, that is true. Iron yeah. Man is the worst about course profiles. I oh, have yeah. never, ever in my life been so misled by course profiles than by Iron Man. I don't know Those why they surprised. do it, and it's not consistent. Some races, yeah. they're like, this course is kind of flat, and people are like, no, it's not at all. And then um, some courses, they're like, um, oh, it's really hilly. It's got a lot of elevation gain, and people are like, no, it's not. Like yeah. Chattanooga, apparently, is like a really fast course. Yeah, um, I don't know. R- really fast bike but, course. And so I'm like, yeah. where did that come from? Because I don't know, but anyway. So, so, yeah, I'm, uh, I'll do Puerto Rico next weekend, um, and then I'm heading down to Brazil for the 70.3 down there in April. All right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I'm looking forward to those two. It should be good. Okay. And then what do you have after that? Do you know yet? Are you yeah, I'm going to do St. George. Um, so it'll be Latin American Pro Champs in Brazil and then U.S. Pro Champs at St. George. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, just yeah. total line and see, see what, you know, Kind of what's up. So, are you going to be a seventy point three specialist for a while? Yep, I think you got to stick. Definitely that. Man, Ironmans are so like they're so hard and so oh, long, yeah. and you don't know what's going to happen. So many things can go wrong. And well, then, the seventy point three game is just getting really competitive now, yeah. and I even see it going being more competitive in the coming years because they just canceled the lifetime series. So yeah. the whole Olympic non drafting scene is almost disappearing so people either have to go draft legal itu or step it up to 70.3 in iron man a lot yeah. of people aren't going to be ready for iron man just yet so the 70.3 game is going to get super competitive and i'm super happy that i have all of last year and all of this off season building yeah. my 70.3 base because all these itu kids are going to come up they're going to try 70.3 they're going to blast the first one out of the park and they're all going to get injured <laughs> and uh, so I'm I'm glad that I t- kind of bypassed you got that out of your way. I, yeah, yeah, I bypassed the ITU. I've got the base. Yeah, and I, I'm just ready to stick to 70.3s. Once I got okay enough at 70.3s to understand like how to train for them and how to finish them and do and be competitive at them, I'm like, man, this is this is like the perfect distance. It is it is a full on endurance event, but it's not crazy with having to be like a, a nutrition wizard yeah. you know and and uh and it doesn't beat you up it's only a half marathon you know at the end of it and then yeah. you can get just awesome on the bike and just destroy the bike and then run a half marathon and the swim yeah. is fast you know sub half hour swims like just cranking through them and um yeah big crowds and everything they're really great i love the half ironman distance and yeah you can recover I mean, so much faster yeah i mean yeah. like i said i did seven of them last year so yeah. it's like, like it's no great problem. yeah yeah and then each one um, every you can do so much so many more of them and then each one you do you get better it seems yep. like or you learn something and right. you don't have Take to wait that. three months or something like that to do one again totally. uh, to try it you can just wait a few weeks or a month and then get right back into it and try another one and try out your new thing that you've learned and then keep improving. Right, absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's the perfect distance. Now, I mean, the, the pro 70.3 game is getting so fast. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at guys like Raylert and even Terenzo over in um, Abu Dhabi. I mean, they're, they're throwing down like 340s for, you know, <laughs> legit half courses. And the, the swim is no different than an Olympic distance swim. I train my swim, yeah. you know, like I was going to be an Olympic distance guy because the front, you need to be in the front pack. You right. need to be part of that front bike pack on the swim. And then, you know, the guys get out on the bike and the first half an hour of the ride is full gas. I mean, yeah. hundred, you're going Olympic distance effort for the first 30 minutes. And then 
in theory, things kind of settle in a little bit, and then it's uh-huh. just whoever can run the fastest half marathon. So it's yeah. it, it's interesting. It's 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 yeah. a great combination of it's speed, great, strength, man. endurance. Yeah. It's that's why I love it. Yeah. So that's I why really, I chose it. Yeah, I really promote it to people like age groupers too, because it's like to train for something like that and have a good time. You know, uh, start getting under five hours, like in the four to five hour range. You don't have to train your ass off and then forget who your family is or where you live or or get, totally. get in trouble for with your family or work from being checked out all the time right. and trying to find, you know, 30 hours a week as an age grouper, you know, it's impossible Yeah, to train and man, you can be really competitive at, at the 70.3 distance with like 12 to 15 hours of training. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for, cool. for hopping on. And yeah, uh, sure. when are we going to see you on the show again? What's... Whenever you want. Right. Open, <laughs> open Brook. Now I actually know my schedule a little bit more. I, yeah. you know, we're going to have – Jesse puts on – is thinking about putting on a couple more camps over the summer. So, uh-huh. you know, I'll definitely check in after those. But, yeah, man, sooner the better. If you want to talk after Puerto Rico, after Brazil, yeah, if whatever you move it up is. To, um, if you move up to Boulder with um, AJ, we could have a, a segment on the show, like Life with AJ and what it's like. Yeah. But, and we yeah. have to say it's not about him. He's not allowed on the show except for like 30 seconds at a time. Oh boy, I, I'm not going to be living with AJ, but oh, okay. uh, you know we'll be training together like every day. So I'm yeah. sure I'll have plenty of material. AJ stories about AJ, kind of like Chappelle. Uh, what is it? Uh, Eddie Murphy's brother talking about Eddie Murphy. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> It'll be good. I'll, I'll get my notebook out, start taking notes right away. <laughs> so I don't forget him. That guy, he needs a reality show. Just following him around. Absolutely. Uh, all right, man. Well, cool. It's right. great talking yeah. to you, and I'm glad you're okay, and the season's looking good. You're not injured. Yep. Nothing. Nothing bad. Nope, no, it's all good. Just all right. uh, yeah, excited to get the race season going, and uh, cool. yeah, excited to just you know see where I'm at in uh, in Puerto Rico. All right, man, we'll be following you. Cool, absolutely. Right. Sounds good. Cool. Talk to you later. All right, thanks, Brett. All right, bye. All right, take care, man. Bye. All right, I am back. While you were listening to that interview, I went on a long bike ride, and I had an awesome bike ride. It was really good. And also, Kai and Emily went out of town this weekend to go do some fun stuff and I just got a phone call that they're almost home and surprise they bought a green machine which is that recumbent looking bike with plastic wheels that you slide around and I'm just slapping myself in the forehead going oh my god (coughs) my son is on a recumbent (laughs) our garage is so full of old junky bikes I do not need another bike oh but Oh, well, I don't know. I have no idea what to think about all that. All right, let's go ahead and get started with a whole bunch. Let's answer some questions. Um, Also, I got a note here that um, Vinny Tortorich's uh, Vitamin Club, he called me up and asked if I'd participate in it. And I said, heck yeah, because I heard all about it. Actually, he was on the show talking about it a while back. And um, he went way out of his way to make sure that they are um, they're nice and, and clean and don't have things in them like titanium dioxide, which is good for sunscreen, but not for you to eat. And, you know, all kinds of cool stuff like that. And I don't have the promo code for Zentri just yet. I'll look it up while I'm talking about some other stuff. Let me see if I can find it. There's nothing better in a podcast than uh, having somebody uh, look up emails. <laughs> okay, I can't find it right now. Let me let me look for it real quick. 
Okay. Well, it turns out I'm not an affiliate just yet. So either go ahead and get stuff through uh, Vinny's website or uh, wait until next episode once I get my act straightened out. It's, it's, uh, I have triathlon. I have Ironman syndrome where I always seem to be behind, be behind on everything that's useful. <laughs> I talk about doing a lot of stuff, but actually getting it done is another thing. But um, it's the Pure Vitamin Club and... Uh, with vitamins, you know, you can you can round off anything that you're missing, and it's it's nice and healthy. It's good stuff. Okay, let's go back to uh, emails and other stuff. Oh man, the other thing I always know on a weekend, I go on a bike ride and I come back and I look at Twitter and see what's happened because uh, all kinds of crazy stuff happened. There was a shooting at uh, Ironman Puerto Rico seventy point three. Um, Apparently, like across the street, right on either side of the bike race portion, and uh, two athletes got hit, or maybe three, got hit with uh, shrapnel and stuff like that. And then there was a car chase, all kinds of crazy stuff. And um, yeah, that's not going to be good for registration next year. But um, these kind of things can happen uh, pretty much anywhere you go. Uh, some places more likely than others. So, uh, um, yeah, when you travel the world and you go different places, it's uh, part of the uh, craziness that you get into. Okay, um, and uh, I think the the athletes are going to be okay. And yeah, be careful out there. Um, let's see what else is happening. Uh, uh, Jordan Rapp slipped on his bike and crashed. Saw a tweet about that. Uh, Angela Nath did Monterey. Uh, Jordan was at Monterey. I think it was a rainy, wet race. And um, just all kinds of cool stuff's going on now that the not starting to warm up up here in the northern hemisphere. It's pretty cool. Okay, um, let's do donations to the show and read some emails. <clears throat> uh, you can donate to the podcast on the left-hand side. You can do a one-time donation or a recurring donation. If you do a one-time donation or a recurring donation, it does it through uh, PayPal. And um, it's really cool. You can set it up and then forget about it. And then uh, you can go to PayPal and cancel at any time, too. It's pretty neat. And um, if you donate to the show, then I'll answer your questions. I just got done answering a question on Twitter. A guy said, hey, I donated to your show. And tell me about how to get started with polarized training uh, from nothing. Because all winter he hadn't done anything. So I answered that over three tweets. See? I work hard over here. And... Let's uh, let's go back to the questions. Uh, Simon Wright, longtime donator. Thank you so much, Simon. Uh, Dwayne Morin, longtime donor. I think is the actual word. And he has a question: How often do you change out your power meter battery, or you just have to wait until you're not getting accurate data or readings? <laughs> no, don't wait. Um, okay, so there's two different things. Uh, I did a little research on this, and it's about 200 hours on a power meter battery. And um, some devices will give you a warning. Uh, I've noticed on my Garmin's lately, they say, uh, I've got a 920 and a 510. It'll say power meter low, power meter low, power meter battery low. Um, And I was like, what do you know, stupid device? And then after a while, (laughs) nothing. (laughs) And um, so this is what you do. Uh, They last about 200 hours, so... I would go about 150 hours and then consider swapping them out. 
Uh, now with the warnings, it's a little bit better of a life out there on the open road and training. Um, it reminds me of gas gauges, especially on motorcycles. I remember uh, the first time I got a motorcycle, I was like, where's the gas gauge? I'm like, I don't know. You just kind of swish it back and forth, you know, uh, the motorcycle, lean it back and forth, and you can hear how much gas is in there. And I'm like, that's stupid. What if you're on a long ride? What do you, <laughs> you can't hear it over the motorcycle. Um, and then I got a Honda VFR, uh, which is, even though it was a 90s, early 90s motorcycle, it was really, it's Honda's like flagship advanced motorcycle. And it had a gas gauge, a fuel gauge on it. And um, boy, that makes life a whole lot easier. And uh, yeah, so now on these devices, they can get a little information from the power meter and say, mm, I think you're, uh, I think your device is getting low. So this is what you do. Buy extra power meter batteries, keep them around the house, and then also switch out your power meter and your heart rate battery, uh, I would say a couple of weeks before a race, and then make sure it's working again. Don't do it right before a race, uh, because you won't have time to test it out. And then... That goes with lots of things. Latex tubes. Oh, I have a tip I want to give on latex tubes on your bikes. Uh, okay, I'll hop back to that in a second after the squirrel moment. And then you, um, uh, when you swap out batteries on especially heart rate straps, because you're probably going to swim with it at some point during a triathlon, um, take out the heart rate strap uh, O-ring, which is the little silicone-looking um, rubber band kind of material that uh, is in uh, the little ring that seals that when you close the heart rate strap backing, it seals it against it. Um, take that out, and then with your fingernail, a Q-tip, whatever it takes, get all the gunk, any kind of dust and dirt out of there, out of the the uh, track that that thing goes into on both sides, and then uh, get some mineral oil. This is uh, what mineral oil is made for. <laughs> you get mineral oil and lube that O-ring back up and that keeps it uh, from drying out and getting cracked and dry rotting. And uh, some people, and I've done this several times, will, before I learn this, you, you'll replace a heart rate strap battery, and then when you close a heart rate strap back up, you get dust and dirt in the seal, and then water, while you're swimming in your race, water will creep in and then short out your heart rate strap. And lubing the O-ring will um, with mineral oil will keep that from happening, but you got to get the gunk out too, like make it clean. Okay. Um, back to latex tubes. I was going to talk about for a second. Um, I had a flat tire and then re-aired my flat with, a uh, with, uh, CO2 in a latex, in a latex tube. And, um, it went flat again, like really soon. And then I learned something. Uh, that's a bad idea. And, let me back up a second. Latex tubes are a little bit more expensive, a lot more expensive. They're like 18 bucks a tube or something like that. But you can actually feel it while you're riding. They they um, ride smoother, softer. It's just awesome. Um, and it's it's basically with Continental Grand Prix 4000 S tires or 2S tires, Grand Prix 4000, Grand Prix 4000s and latex tubes, you are essentially riding tubular tires, which are way advanced, and you're doing it for a whole lot less cost, and they ride amazing. The thing is, is latex 
um, doesn't hold air as long. The structure of a latex tube is um, it'll leak air out faster because there's holes in the latex. There's holes in everything. So the, the holes are big enough uh, where air will leak out slightly faster. And these, these aren't holes you can see. I mean, it's just, you know, the lattice of the material. And the um, CO2, if you reinflate a, a tube with CO2, um, a CO2 particle is, or molecule, is um, smaller than a regular air, uh, which would probably be mostly nitrogen. Um, I think air is mostly nitrogen. It's like 70% nitrogen. And um, anyway, um, CO2 is a smaller molecule, and it'll leak through those holes um, faster. And it'll leak through, if you, if you CO2 a, um, a butyl tire, like a regular black tube, um, it'll hold air uh, for quite a while, but in a couple of days, it'll start getting pretty soft again. And um, your tube's not leaking. It's, uh, it doesn't have a hole in it. It's just leaking the CO2 because CO2 leaks out faster than regular air. So you let all the air out and then replace it with air pump air. And the... Um, the thing to not do is if you're riding with latex tubes, uh, do not bring a latex tube as your uh, spare on the bike because if you refill it with CO2 because you had a flat tire out in the field, um, <laughs> it's going to hold air for like 10 minutes. I swear I've done it. And I was like, what the crap? And I remembered that I want to talk about this on show because somebody – a pro was showing off their like repair kit, and he said, uh, "I ride with latex tubes for a race, but my spare is butyl, B-U-T-Y-L, I think, without looking it up, um, because replacing a butyl tube with a latex tube, replacing a tube, and then filling it up with a latex tube, and then filling it up with CO two is going to get you about." a mile down the road, and then you're going to be out of air and flat it out again. Okay, email, let's see. Oh, yeah, okay, we've got some Hornet juice stuff. Erica Dennison uh, is a self-admitted CrossFit junkie. Hey, Erica. And she said, uh, Hornet juice. Okay, so I sell Hornet juice to help uh, supplement the income of the show. And it's really cool stuff. And we'll talk more about it in a minute. Um, I got the first shipment yesterday and used it today twice. Once before my AM swim, which was brutal because I'm a terrible swimmer. And my coach is helping me work on that. But I tried it before my CrossFit class this afternoon and felt great. Two exclamation points. Got a PR on my tough double back squat CrossFit thing that she's talking about. I'm hooked. Glad I have more on the way. Can't wait to use it before my run tomorrow. Love your podcast. I'm a dedicated listener. You're quite an inspiration. Aw. Keep it up. Peace out. <laughs> I like that. Peace out from sunny Portland. Is Portland that sunny? Or is it Seattle's the one where it's raining all the time. Um, uh, let's see. That was a really good email. Thank you, Erica. Oh, Erica, part two. Yeah, she sent in another one. Okay, holy cow. Tried Hornet Juice before my run today. Didn't think it would make a huge difference. 18 months ago, I was running an 11.20 mile. I have worked hard to get that around 9 to 
Uh, longer runs are even slower. Drum roll, please. I ran a 7.53 today. Fastest mile I've ever run in my entire life. Boom. Well, Erica, what you're doing is you're consuming Hornet juice, which is made in a lab by crazy scientists who decided they wanted to synthesize Japanese killer hornet saliva and turn it into a fuel humans can eat to help metabolize body fat so that you have more energy. And it works. I've used it for years and years and years and years and years. It is incredible. I had a bike ride yesterday using the stuff that was off the chain, whatever that means. But I had a really good time, and it was the hornet juice totally that did it. And everybody out there, you can get some hornet juice on the right side of zentrathlon.com. Go over there, and eat. there's like four-pack, 10-pack, 20-pack, uh, 30-pack, whatever you want to do. And usually what happens is people buy four, and then I get an email like this, and then they buy 30. <laughs> and they're like, holy crap. And it lasts an hour and a half. And it's really, really cool stuff. You just mix it in with your fuel. And it really is synthesized uh, Japanese killer hornet saliva. It's nuts. And go to hornetjuice.com and check out their, um, their uh, like, how it works and stuff like that. It's really neat. And then come back to zentriathlon.com and buy some because it helps support the show. I get, a, I get an order here and there and here and there, and it adds up and it goes towards race entries and all kinds of like gear for reviews and um, bandwidth costs, all kinds of stuff. Emily is not allowed to touch it, touch Hornet Juice money. It goes directly back into Zentri for costs for keeping the show alive. So I really appreciate it. And thanks for the email. we got a few more coming. Uh, Julie Callahan uh, donated to the show. Christopher Allen donated to the show. Magdalena Puzio uh, donated to the show. Message, thank you, Brett, for an inspiration and making walking my dog fun again. Your polarized training approach rocks. I was about to say works. It rocks. Thank you for your notes. Now it's time to try it out and finally improve my cycling. Yeah, on the on the website, zintrathlon.com, I have a link. I wrote up one time how to do polarized training. It's a little e-junkie download, um, which is a place where you – gosh – it's like a buck or two or three or four or something like that. And I wrote up a document on exactly how to do polarized, a polarized workout and some training. Um, and you can extrapolate that out and do it for all kinds of stuff. It's really neat. Um, John Taylor donated to the show. Elizabeth Davis, Melissa Budo, longtime donor. James G. I've got another Hornet Juice comment. Um, I love this stuff. <laughs> now I'm hitting the training hard. For Ironman Canada and in June, and then Ironman uh, Chu, uh, that's Chattanooga, Chattanooga Choo Choo, in September again. Love the podcast. They're great on my long bike and run workouts. Look forward to training with future podcasts and hope all is well with your family. It is all well. Thank you. Uh, Brett Hoyer, he's got the best first name ever. Sky uh, says, thanks, for, as always, for delivering on the podcast. Always a welcome treat on the long hauls to throw it on. Since the last email your way back in October, I've been out doing some Arava Pia, Arava, Arava, Aravapa, 
uh, running trail races, and I think y'all are just sending me stuff to try to see how I pronounce it, um, and ran my first marathon back in January at a rock and roll Arizona, uh, hit the Boston qualifier while becoming the definition of blowing up in a race. Oh, that's cool. You got to write back and tell me what the blow up was like. Like I blew up on a bike ride recently where I've learned to just back off and like roll with it, but I have to stop and pee like constantly as my blood sugar is trying to get back up and, uh, and, and I feel like crap and, uh, but I, I know it'll go away if I just drink water and slow down and then, um, and, uh, let everything come back. So write me back. Tell me what your blow up was like. Uh, excited to be doing my first 50K ooh, at Crown King Scramble on March 28th and using Hornet juice. I didn't know this was a Hornet juice one. Okay, uh, to make sure I get across the line. Thank you for sharing your training and strategy for taking prep notes and race notes about your recent ultra as well. If you're new to the show, I ran the Rocky Raccoon 50 miler ultra and podcasted all about it and everything I did. And PR'd it by a good margin. Um, any recommendations on recovering on the mental side after a long buildup and effort or season? Much appreciated. Catch you on Strava. Best Sky. Yes. Okay, so just like um, postpartum depression, uh, is, and that's uh, where people have a baby, and then after the baby they get really depressed and sometimes do terrible stuff. Um there's a thing called post Ironman blues, and what it is is you got so into training and training and training and the buildup, and then after the race is over, nothing's exciting anymore. And now, why do anything? Blah. And then um, you get really depressed, um, and it's real. It's happened to me at least once, maybe twice, and. Um, you one is to is to know that this is something that happens to most people, and uh, there's nothing wrong with you. Well, I'm doing a psychotherapist right now. Um, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with you. <clears throat> it's not you. It's our man. Um, but uh, it's what it is. Is it's the buildup of doing a lot of stuff, and then um, and then not doing it anymore suddenly, and. Um, uh, and I'm sure there's more to it than that even, but um, tips uh, around avoiding it um, is if it starts, if you start getting depressed, realize that it's a normal process and it'll go away. Um, uh, if you just give it some time and just go do something else for a while, like uh, pick up another hobby for a little bit, but um, don't get too far away from uh, from working out and stuff like that or else you'll be one of these people that... Um, there's a thread on Slow Twitch where a guy uh, quit doing Ironman, it's, uh, quit doing triathlons, whatever, and then like three years later, five years later, he's he's uh, had a stroke and all kinds of stuff, and it's because he wasn't doing anything healthy at all, and uh, actually got really unhealthy. So um, yeah, you pick up another habit, uh, take a vacation, um, do something active but doesn't have anything to do with triathlon. And, um, you got to have something We're we're, um, we're like cats with laser pointers, you know, just, uh, get distracted, distract yourself. And, um, and then when you get bummed out and like, nothing's good, nothing's fun. And why do anything and think about quitting your job and like, uh, everything sucks. Um, uh, realize that it's not, 
It's not, it's not really you, it's the situation, and it'll go away. You just got to wait it out a little bit, and don't do anything drastic. Don't take any drastic actions. Don't sell your bike. Don't um, sell your running shoes. <laughs> Who would do that? I don't know. Don't give away your running shoes and sell your bike. Um, just wait it out. And do stuff that you really, really like, like hike in the, in the woods, um, like Tawny Prezak's been doing. Okay, um, El Sonyor, 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 ah, uh, donated to the show. Daniel Stark donated to the show. Evan Tazer donated to the show. And Andreas from Sweden. Oh, I love this. <clears throat> okay, let's read this. He wrote an email. Uh, hi, Brett, and thank you for the almost instant sending of the Hornet Juice. Well, this is like one long ad for Hornet Juice, isn't it? Um, winter has been nice to us here. Uh, at least for those of us not living in the northernmost parts of Sweden, on riding around on top of reindeer, I just, I'm just kidding. I added that. Um, a lot of people I know have done more outdoor outdoor bike. <laughs> I'm laughing about my reindeer joke. Okay, wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. At least for those of us not living in the northernmost parts of Sweden, a lot of a lot of people I know have done more outdoor biking this winter than many years counting backwards. Oh. Cool. So you're happy about global warming. That's awesome. Uh, I prefer the trainer anyway. So, and now, really, you prefer the trainer? Hmm. I guess it depends. I mean, it's pretty cold where you live anyway. So I could see riding indoors is a lot more fun a lot of the time. Um, and now we basically have spring earlier than I can remember. Well, uh, take care and thank you for all the podcasts, Andreas. Well, don't get too excited because it keeps becoming spring here, and then the, I wait five minutes, and then it, and then the next thing I know, it ices over and freezes all over again. So it might change. Um, all right, that's cool. So that's <laughs> that's our emails, and um, also check out Amphibian Multisport in Libertyville, Illinois. Uh, lots of cool stuff going on in that shop. Drop in ride a copy trainer, do all that cool stuff if you're in the Chicago area, uh, no contract memberships, and um, yeah, it's cool, man, go up there and and uh, and drop in in this crappy weather we've been having lately, and uh, tell Spiros uh, Fetzis that I said, hey, and let's see, what else do we have, trainer view, nothing new on trainer view, and Rita, I talk about later in the show, and uh, yeah, Morgan's working hard on trainer. We'll find out more about the more stuff that he's doing uh, pretty soon. And I talk about sound probiotics towards the end of the show. So yeah. All right, let's go ahead and get started with the training log. I talk about how I lost uh, 50 pounds over the years, and I recorded it over several days. Um, so it's, it's a little all over the place, but uh, the general point is in there and uh, how I did it. And also... Uh, I give some tips on uh, training uh, and uh, intervals, stuff like that. So that's mixed in as well, and it's good stuff. All right, here we go with the training log. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a triathlete. I'm a I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, 
We all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! All right, welcome to a new training log. Stardate. March 15th? No, March 11th. Looking at the the new watch face on my Garmin 920 XT. Trying to figure out the date. Leaving the pool. Did a couple of cool things uh, recently working out that I'll share with you. And, uh, and then I think we'll cover the question of how I lost 50 pounds of weight over the years. And kept it off. All right, so let's start with uh, last night on the treadmill. Um, I did the technique where you run to heart rate and try to keep increasing the speed while uh, either keeping your heart rate the same or lowering your heart rate, lowering your heart rate to um, to find a more efficient form. And the reason I wanted to bring this up and thought it was so important is because Stride S T R Y D. Uh, which is coming out with a power meter for running and it's using just accelerometers. It's not using torque meters or anything like that, but it's just using accelerometers that you clip to your, the back, your back. You can tell how much you're bouncing and stuff like that. And, um, so it's mostly software. They have a video on their website about how, um, you can use it to find, cause it reads off how many Watts you're putting out. And then you do watts at a speed, and you try to do a faster speed at the same watts, or um, faster uh, or same speed at lower watts, right? Well, on a treadmill, it's such a consistent environment that you can actually do this with heart rate as well. So you're running along, and you start, uh, you're such a consistent metronomic pace bang, 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 bang. You can start changing up your form. And if you're watching your heart rate, um, you can see your heart rate drop or go up. What I don't like about the Garmin 920 XT is in treadmill mode, it won't freaking run if you don't wear it on your wrist. Or at least I haven't figured out how to do that yet. Uh, the Sunto would run and uh, I could put, I could mount it on the treadmill right in front of my face and I could watch the heart rate as I ran and try to increase the speed while keeping my heart rate the same or lower. And uh, the Garmin, I got to keep looking down at my wrist, you know, and I can't see it tick up or tick down without nearly falling off because now I'm looking down into the side. I almost ran off the treadmill yesterday watching, a, watching something. I don't know what I was doing. Anyway, um, lost my balance. <laughs> But anyway, I did that last night while running, and uh, I ended up towards the end of the run doing like 7.4 miles per hour, still an aerobic, uh, at a 2% grade, still aerobic, um, at a heart rate of 136 or 135, which is uh, pretty nice. And that was at the end of an hour of running, and uh, it was pretty cool. Anyway, so that's a trick you can do to try to find better form. Oh, and I lowered my arms a little bit and took shorter steps. And heart rate dropped and speed went up. And, uh, yeah, it works. And, okay, there's that. And then this morning in the pool, swimming along, I did ramp-ups is what I call them. And this is really neat. I started doing this a long time ago on the bike and then on the treadmill. And I do it now on the pool, too. And it's where you're sitting on the bike. On, the, on a trainer 
and you you increase your heart rate by like one beat every minute or one beat every 30 seconds or two beats in a minute or you know something like that but anyway it's very precise and you can do it on a trainer and um, if you can't do it well then you're kind of sloppy and you need to work on it because being able to do it is pretty it shows a lot of control over your body and uh, I remember one time talking about it and somebody said that's impossible you can't do that and I posted the workout with the heart rate graph back at them on the tweet on the tweeter nets and they were like oh I guess you can <laughs> yeah you can alright 155 this minute then 156 and then 157 on average you know like it you, you have like tiny little one point two point little sways kind of here and there but you bring it right back and then um, so what you're doing is you're climbing gradually and uh, I found it to be and then you go until you go harder and harder and harder until you finally your form breaks down and you can't do it anymore and you can't keep your heart rate up and your legs are burning or whatever and uh, you can do it on the treadmill you know increase it by uh, one one tenth of a mile per hour right and then increase it by another tenth of a mile per hour so on a treadmill you can do it I guess on one of these uh, trainers that like a compu trainer where you can increase the uh, resistance ever so slightly you could do it too um and I found doing those that it was an incredible workout. I mean, absolutely brutal and fun and entertaining and a challenge, you know, all that cool stuff. And I did it, uh, I've learned to do it in the pool. And it turns out, I remember reading this document, and by document I mean website, uh, this website where they were talking about um, the ideal distance for training, the ideal distance, interval distance for uh, training for different types of stuff. So if you're doing short burst stuff like track, you know, 100s, 200s uh, track, you know, you're talking like an interval of 15 seconds hard uh, up to a minute maybe or something like that, I guess. I don't know. But then, uh, and then the longer your event, the longer your intervals should be. And the, um, uh, so if you're in uh, classic style cycling where your races are like an hour or two and um, but it's like lots of drafting and then burst burst drafting and, and uh, catching up and trying to pass people and stuff like that you're talking massive spikes in watts for very short periods of time and uh, so you're talking really really short intervals like 30 seconds to a minute something like that and uh, most of the time I'm sure you could do long, longer stuff. And then um, mountain biking is the same. It uh, depends on where your races are and where you live, but you got to be super strong for short periods of time to get up and over um, stuff. And then they said uh, for endurance racing, long-distance stuff, um, intervals of four minutes or more. Um, and that teaches you pacing. And it, you have different muscle fiber types and groups and stuff like that that you use when you go longer and you need to train those and it's not fast twitch it's slow twitch so you need to train those muscles so once you get into the four minute range then you're training for uh, long distance running and stuff uh longer things like marathons whatever yeah uh, this is 5ks to marathons i think and then of course that's ultra running and stuff and um so i've experimented with that a lot and a four minute interval is really 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 nice it's very useful it gives you enough time to really settle in 
and it's a four minute interval of kind of like medium hard and um, I found and what I did in the pool this morning that if you do a very gradual increase in, in power and in, you know in force and effort um, and say in the pool it's like every 25 yards or meters increasing it just a tiny little bit um, like five to ten percent by the time you get to four minutes in guess what happens your form comes apart and you blow up and it's wonderful 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 so basically what I'm saying is uh, gradually increase if you're gonna do an interval gradually increase your effort the uh, Jeep in front of me has a redneck stamped all across the back that's nice the um, proud to be crazy um, the uh, of course I have Iron Man on the back of mine that's not much better then uh, you increase your speed just ever so gradually you're in that zone where you're increasing and increasing and increasing you're training yourself to have just amazing control over effort and what's hard and what's harder and what's less hard and backing off and then you're also training yourself to find to notice when your form comes apart and you're doing the tiniest bit of peak training you know like high intensity it's very tiny because you only do it for like 30 seconds at the end of that four minutes and you blow up and uh, you're doing uh, basically three minutes to four minutes almost of more sustained even effort and training yourself how to hold that and then when you're done doing one of those you should go hard enough at the very end where you where you pop um, where you pop and then you need to walk uh, or coast or or sit by the wall of the pool or whatever you do uh, for for 30 seconds to a minute to catch your breath and regain your your uh, your body anyway um, I need to eat an Amrita bar and then uh, yeah that's it and then we're gonna talk about losing weight all right I'll be back out bang all right I'm back back like a heart attack oh no that's not good don't say that I'm leaving my house I had to run home at lunch to uh, let the dogs out because it's cold uh, early and because uh, appraisers come into the house because we're selling our house so we can have a real training cave if I'm gonna live in this godforsaken little town in the middle of the freaking prairie I'm gonna have a good training cave that's why we're moving <laughs> if I can't live in Boulder I can have a little uh, miniature boulder in my house. Uh, modest, very modest, but trying to do what you can makes a big difference. Anyway, let's talk about losing weight. All right, first thing I did. Well, let's see. Uh, I swam. I know I talk about this crap all, but it's all the time. But it's my show, and I get to talk about myself. If um, let's see, I graduated from high school and I was done with swimming. I've been swimming half my life. Uh, competitively sprint freestyle I was cooked and I'm done with it and I would have swam in college totally if I'd gone to a college where the swimming program was really good and I tried to but I didn't get into a college with a good swimming program uh, I got into Texas A&M and at the time the men's swimming program was kind of meh you know uh, and I wasn't I just wasn't all that interested and the swimming facility was crap and now it's awesome and anyway, uh, 
I tried to get into Colorado College, which I would have loved to have gone to Colorado Springs, but I wasn't accepted. I wasn't cool enough or something. But then, anyway, I think it's uh, don't write a a college application essay to a hippie liberal school all about your military school background. <laughs> they don't like it. <laughs> Does not interest them. That's what I think had a lot to do with it. But I, I have no idea. Anyway, back to the story. Squirrel moment. I um, I swam in high school and was 181, 82 something pounds whenever I, uh, about when I was a captain of the swim team, varsity swim team, high school, a 15-5A freaking huge uh, high school with like 3,000 students or something like that. And then, um, although I wasn't even captain in my senior year, I was captain in my junior year. And then my senior year, I said, I'm done with that. And then... Um, was uh, very athletic up up until then. Then I got to college, and if if you're a parent, don't ever tell your kids that they can they can't do that right now. They can do that whenever they get to college, because their idea of college is it's a freaking party zone. So I get to college, and I'm like, well, my parents always said I can do X Y Z whenever I go to college. Now I'm in college, so let's party. So I just drank tons of beer, smoked cigarettes, all kinds of stuff. And slowly started putting on the weight. I was in the core my uh, freshman year and a little bit of my sophomore year. And then I, um, I, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about things. It's funny. And then the, the trailer in front of me says, real men love Jesus. And I love reading bumper stickers to y'all from my little call it, my little country town. And then, um, Started putting on weight, started putting on weight, and when Emily met me, I can't remember, I was getting close to being my heaviest, but I was okay with it because I was a bouncer at a, at a huge bar that was really rough, and um, I needed all the weight I could uh, take on me to, um, to uh, manhandle uh, things like Texas A&M football players that were drunk and trying to start fights. And uh, that was rare, but usually you just go, okay, you just do whatever you want. Uh, talk to me when you're done, and I'll clean up the mess. But anyway, uh, no, bouncer is a rough job. And then, um, so I guess around my mid-20s, I was like, I've had enough of this. I'd slowly gone up to about 230 pounds and I said, um, this is unsightly. I got a picture of me that fat that if I could find it, I'd post it. Um, I got little man boobs and I'm wearing rollerblades. I'm on rollerblades and I'm wearing cutoff shorts. So it's uh, a certain segment of the population would be really interested to see that. And the, um, except I'm, I'm not much to look at though. And the, um, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. And then, uh, what happened? I, um, I look like crap, and so I'm trying to uh, start slimming down, and I started trying all kinds of different stuff, and stuff doesn't work. You, a lot of stuff doesn't work. I tried diet pills, and yeah, you can lose like five-something pounds kind of here and there, but then you gain it back, and then I started to figure out it's really about um, lifestyle, and check this out. I moved to... Um, 
I got a job in California, moved there from Texas, and instantly lost a bunch of weight through lifestyle because I was surfing every day. Almost, I was surfing almost every day and mountain biking almost every day, sometimes both on the same day. And, um, and I, was, I started uh, watching my weight and trying to lean up a little bit. But I remember at one point, this is really funny, I, uh, we'd lived there about a year. We we're looking at joining a gym. And I told Emily, I said, I don't need to join a gym. I'm doing everything right now. You know, I said, this is the perfect life. I don't even need to join a gym. I'm doing everything to stay fit and healthy as it is right now. It's pretty cool. And um, I was eating pretty healthy and uh, I had gotten down my weight, maybe down this, let's say like 190 or something like that, which is a huge drop. And that was almost all from lifestyle. And it's also from my environment. Back in the late 90s, it was hard to find uh, good, healthy food that you get in California, outside of California, or maybe like, say, uh, Florida or New York or something like that. If you're from the Midwest, for example, or any of the flyover states, is what they call it, uh, your food choices are pretty much fried crap and served on top of a plate of more crap with sugar on top. And uh, while that's still the majority of the food uh, in most of these states, um, you now have choices where, like my town a long time ago didn't have any healthy food choices. It was like a sub-item, tiny font, you know, on the menu, and then it wasn't cooked very well anyway. You had to make it all yourself, and, and you didn't even know how because you didn't have any friends that ate that way, so it was really difficult. And uh, now, California cuisine or salad bar restaurants that are actually good are a, a lot more commonplace where we got several right here in my own little town. Um, but by living in Southern California, I learned, uh, I got away uh, by greasy, greasy, greasy food. And in fact, um, we went to a restaurant, my job, uh, my coworkers and I, we went to an on the border restaurant that was new in San Diego. And Californians are very frustrated when they find out they're not the first at something. They just assume they are. And they said, it's new. You'll love it. And I said, on the border, we have those in Texas. They don't like that. And uh, I got a little traffic distraction here. Dude, you just go around them. What's your problem? Is there something in the road? Oh, my God. Just go. Oh, my God. Um. <laughs> And uh, several of my coworkers got sick. These are Californians. Got sick from and had went threw up and stuff in the bathroom because of how greasy on the border was. Because it's Tex-Mex food, and um, they're used to California Mexican food, which isn't anywhere near as greasy and cheesy. And that's that's Tex-Mex is um, basically you take Mexican food and just dump cheese all over it, and that's your uh, and it's not even good cheese like Velveeta crap. And then, uh, so anyway, that's the difference in food. So out there, I was eating sea, clean seafood that's not deep fried, right? That's a southern thing, uh, deep fried everything. And uh, clean seafood that I guess was a lot less caloric and then um, a lot more greens and salads. Like people out there actually know how to make salads, which was really nice. 
and uh, just healthy stuff and my weight was coming down at times I was trying too hard I remember being really hungry trying to lose weight and um, not losing weight very fast but I didn't know yet the one biggest trick which I'll tell you in a second and then uh, moved back to Texas and then gradually started putting weight back on again right so I went from let's say one uh, 90 uh, I guess I'm just, I don't remember back then and my weight started creeping back up creeping back up to 220 again right and then I said F this and I started doing triathlon but I started doing triathlon by accident uh, I was I started swimming so that uh, when I go surf on the Texas coastline which is a two hour drive two and a half hour drive to actually get in the water I wouldn't be so out of shape that I could actually enjoy surfing. So I was swimming, and then the next thing I knew, I found myself doing triathlons. And the, um, I should also mention that even in high school, I was not, there was a brief time when I was at military school because they were running us into the ground so hard where I've got a photo where I've got abs, kinda, but I've never, I've never really been a guy that's so skinny that I have abs. So like, say it takes 8% body fat or something like that, to have abs, um, I've always floated around like 12 or something like that when I was super healthy. And um, that's just the way I eat or something. Anyway, I was about to say, you don't ever want to say that's just the way I am because a lot of times that's a mistake. That's the way you've chosen to be when somebody says, well, I just have a sweet tooth. Well, no, not necessarily. You're just so used to eating sweets that you think you need them and that's changeable. There's a lot of stuff that's changeable that you think is you. So just don't label yourself as something. And then, anyway, I'm, uh, so I'm floating around above 200 again and I'm doing Clydesdale, uh, triathlon races and I'm like, I know that my fittest, uh, you know, my ideal body weight is not this heavy and it should be lighter and I'm going to start trying to lose weight to perform better in triathlon and to, um, uh, try to get some body shape back to look better and stuff like that. I mean, Emily's really good looking, my wife, and you know, I need to keep her around so I can't let myself get too sloppy or she'll be like, she'll start window shopping probably and be like, I'll get some other guy with a better body, you know? <laughs> I'm just teasing, I hope. All right, so that's where we are, and I'm actually going to run into Freebirds right now and eat something and uh, something healthy with veggies, and uh, I'll be back in just a second and tell you more. Because I finally do. I get my weight down to 165 or something like that. It was crazy, which was too skinny. And I'll tell you about that in a second. Hold on. All right, I'm back. Had more house appraiser stuff had to take care of. Okay. If you're a house appraiser, maybe it's the wrong career for you if you're afraid of dogs. Just saying. Especially dogs that aren't mean. You have to always go in people's houses. It must drive you crazy. Um... So I'm trying to lose weight again, and now I'm out of the environment. Because if your environment's right, you can be uh, skinny. So like, there's maps of the United States, for example, where it shows the, the healthiest, skinniest people live in certain states. Like Alaska is actually um, one of the healthiest, skinniest states. And, um, and then the states that are, are worse, the worst, you know, it's cultural stuff. It's the food they eat and the uh, what they think is cool and important to do, which is sit around. Let's say it's Georgia. Sit around and eat fried foods and uh, watch football 
which is a lot of the South, um, you're going to end up uh, being sedentary and eating too much crap, and you're going to be overweight and have all kinds of health issues. And that has to do with uh, your environment. So now I'm back in Texas, and my environment is not helping me. I'm having trouble. I'm trying to lose weight. So I'm starting to try to figure out. I have to figure this out on my own. I cannot rely on my environment to... Um, to get me skinny like it did in California. And so I'm struggling and struggling. I'm trying different things, struggling. And then I hit the Holy Grail. Um, and then that led me to many Holy Grails. Uh, the three-pack bonanza. The first thing was, I read somewhere that almost all successfully uh, weight loss uh, people, whatever, um, have one thing in common is that they weigh themselves on themselves on a regular basis, like daily, and then that way they know, right? They know if they're gaining weight or losing weight. And so I read that, and I was like, "Hmm, it's thirty dollar investment to go get a scale." I went to Target and I got a scale, a digital scale. Um, it had the Biggest Loser sticker on it because that's uh, was the TV show that was famous at the time. And I don't trust this car. Are you turning or not? Blinkers help, dude. And then the, uh, you know, so it's da- digital down to a tenth. And it, it'll do like body fat and stuff like that. But uh, that's kind of relevant, but not so much. And then, um, so I started weighing myself every day. Same, okay, this is the thing. Same time every day. Try to make it either before or after you poop the same time. You know, like if that's if if you poop every morning, and you know you're going to, then weigh yourself afterwards, I guess. But just make it consistent. You know, make everything consistent. Weigh yourself every day with in your underwear, and after you've gotten up, and and uh, uh, so it's it's in my I put it in my kitchen on my way to the uh, on the way to the coffee machine. So I get up in the morning, and while I'm waiting for my coffee to make, I go pee, and then I weigh myself. Right. And you can tell down to a tenth of a pound the impact of whatever you did yesterday, what it did to you. And that is where you start learning a lot about what the hell you're doing to your body. And still, it's not perfect because it's it's 90% perfect. But what I noticed was a bunch of things. You get really good at losing weight in the short term because um, you start to figure out what loses what actually loses weight and um, and then you can get good at it and then you can lose too much weight and then you uh, crash and burn and bounce back and put a whole bunch of weight back on because it's unsustainable so weighing yourself every day I you know, some people say, well, don't do it every day. I say do it every day, but take it with a grain of salt, right? And kind of learn what, and speaking of grain of salt, like a lot of sodium the day before, which makes you hold on to water. Did you um, exercise a lot? And so you sweat it out a lot. Now you're dehydrated. So there's a lot of stuff that it can tell you what happened yesterday, how it impacted your body, hydration wise. Because if you lose a lot of weight in one day, like a pound in a day, that's most that's that's water and you're probably dehydrated right so now it's actually now this is becoming useful you can say oh you put some water back on or expect it to bounce back 
right, so what you're looking for is a trend. Oh, and then on your phone, you can uh, do like an app that graphs your weight. And uh, I don't have any off the top of my head. Garmin's uh, Connect, uh, whatever, Garmin Connect app has a little graph of weight in there. It's not that easy to use, but it's okay. And um, so you can start to see a trend up or down. The thing is, is if you wait too long, then you don't know what you're, if what you're doing is working. And then it really hits home what it actually takes to lose weight, right? Like how hungry do you have to actually get? What portion sizes do you have to actually eat to lose weight? And um, without a scale, you may think that you're you're doing the right thing, but you're only weighing yourself once every week or, you know, when you happen across a scale every so many days or, or a month, then, uh, you don't know. And, uh, if what's working or not, and it's such a random shot in the dark, you know, why not figure out, uh, what actually works? Okay. So with the scale, I started figuring out what actually works. <sighs> What I've figured out over all these years and all the different diets and stuff that I've tried is that almost everything works, right? It's the fact that you're trying is what is uh, making you lose weight. So as long as you have focus, and that's the thing, the habit of weighing yourself every day is a focus. So as long as you have focus, you can zero in on losing weight. And you lose weight. The other thing is not don't try too hard, um, but you try to lose weight just like uh, you know, like a pound this day, and then you gain like half a pound back, and then uh, half a pound the next day, and you gain a pound back, and then uh, a quarter of a pound the next day, and you gain half a pound back, and you lose a pound one day, and then you gain half of it back. But like the general trend is kind of downwards by every it's lumpy but it's downwards. And um, so let's see, I was vegan, I was raw vegan, I've been high fat, I've been low carb and all this stuff and it all works uh, because what you're doing, if you're excluding, uh, if you're doing a diet where you're excluding a food group, like say you're vegan, well that's gonna work because you're making it so much harder to find food that you're actually gonna be hungrier and you're going to um, lose weight. And uh, uh, let's say you're low carb, right? Well, now you've, you've eliminated like a whole lot of food and because you're not used to that, it's gonna be harder for you to find food and that you're used to eating. And so um, the struggle for the short term while you're trying to figure out how to eat food and make it easy is, uh, is you're gonna be hungry. And then guess what that does? It makes you lose weight. And the... Um, the problem is, is after you get your food sorted out and you start to figure out where to get calories that matches up with your diet type, well, then um, then what? Well, you stop losing weight and you may even put back on weight. So Rich Roll talks about vegans that, that uh, actually gain weight because, you're, yeah, you're vegan, but you're eating crap, you know? <laughs> okay, so there's that. And then, so I guess my point with that is, is like, don't think that there's some kind of magic food. I'm going to tell you what magical foods actually do stuff in a little bit. But don't think just because uh, you're doing a certain diet that you're losing weight just because of that certain diet. There is a 
99% chance that you're actually losing weight just because you're hungry and you don't realize how hungry you are because you're so focused in on the target. You know, you're actually enjoying it a little bit. And um, so on the raw vegan diet, it's so low calorie and so high in fiber that I actually, my weight started dropping and dropping and dropping. And then I actually got down to 165, maybe 168. Um, and that was probably dehydrated that day. So, um, but anyway, I got into the 160s and I was super skinny, but I was tired all the time. And I was grumpy and depressed and I was cold. And when you're cold, that's a sign that your metabolism has shut down. And that's a problem. You don't want that. Um, and then you can get all, you can do all kinds of endocrine hormonal system damage and stuff like that. So you don't ever want to be that hungry. And I'm not here to tell you what food groups to eat or not to eat. Um, but I can tell you that you're really messing around with your body by excluding entire food groups. So like say meat or um, carbs or whatever. So, or fat, um, you need to be really, really, really careful doing that kind of stuff and monitor yourself and make sure that it's something that you really, really want to do. Okay. And then I think when we come back, I'll talk about, yeah, I'll talk about the different food types, the macro food types and fiber. So fat, protein, carbs, and then fiber and then tell you about how I found that they um, affect you and then what you can do to, um, to use those. Kind of like with the scale, um, you can use it to figure out uh, what your eating habits the day before did to, um, to, uh, to your body and, uh, and then work it into... Um, uh, like uh, fat, for example, is real filling. So like how to use it to uh, manipulate how you feel because you have a goal, but you can't override what your body is uh, saying to you constantly. You know, like I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Um, or I feel hollow or I feel cold. You can't, you can't override that for too long. So I'm going to tell you about the different foods and how I learned how to use them uh, for leverage and then also back to the scale thing, um, you can get to the point where you, um, and people would say, well, I don't want to weigh myself every day. It's obsessive. Well, no, it's not. It's, it's actually taking care of yourself. And if you just put it somewhere where you happen to cross its path, it takes uh, 30 seconds. So it's, it's not any time out of your way at all. And then um, it's super, super easy to do. And then you know your number every day. And uh, you, it, you can make it so zen and simple that it's actually not in your way at all, you know, and then you're taking care of a problem because let's say you don't weigh yourself and you get overweight. Well, how much does that weigh on you every day, you know, that you're obese or something like that or you're trying to lose weight but you don't know how? Um, that'll weigh on you a whole lot more than just 30 seconds of weighing yourself every day. You, know, you got to kind of judge, balance these things out. Okay, uh, I'll be back in just a second. Oh, no, wait, the thing I was going to say is you can get even get to the point where you weigh yourself in the evening, weigh yourself in the morning and in the evening. That's where I start getting like, uh, this is kind of getting obsessive. But the um, you can tell 
if you weigh yourself after dinner or before dinner, like how much you really could eat and, um, and, but so that you don't, um, weigh too much the, the uh, next day or weigh too little, right? You could be like, oh man, my goal, I want to weigh 180 pounds, uh, in the morning. Um, and you know, from experience that you lose about two pounds overnight from, uh, breathing and digestion and pooping out and peeing and stuff like that. I'd say, ah, it's more like a pound. Um, well, if you're already, <laughs> if you're already, uh, and you want your target is 180, if you're already at 182 and you only lose a pound overnight, well, you should maybe consider not eating anything for else for the rest of the night, you know, and be like, well, I guess I messed up, you know, and now I'm not allowed to eat anything. And that way I don't compound the problem in the morning. Um, I would think that's, uh, that's, to me, I tried that for a little bit and, uh, I couldn't get into it for the long term. It seemed to be a little bit obsessive with me. I thought I would just try every day, start again and try again. Um, instead of, uh, in the evening trying to, um, you know, weigh again to see what I was, what I was weighing. Um, it's kind of interesting where my breaking point was. All right. I'll be back in a minute. All right. I'm back. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the different macronutrients and fiber, and I guess maybe some hydration. But anyway, let's start with, uh, uh, well, let me get to the point that once you know what the macronutrients do, you can use them in different ratios based on what, you're, what you need to do for the day. And you look at your overall calorie count kind of based on what you're doing for, the, for today and tomorrow and what you did the day before. And then also keep in mind the ratio of stuff based on uh, how you want to feel and what you're doing over the um, uh, over the next few hours and day and such like that. So you should always eat based on how you want to feel in the next uh, hour, two, or three, and uh, half hour if you're talking about sugar. Okay. Um, so carbs. Uh, yeah, let's start with carbs. Now let's start with fat. And fat is, um, fat will make you feel full. It can even make you feel greasy, like I was saying earlier, and sick to your stomach uh, with too much fat. And uh, you can leverage that if you want to feel fuller and uh, not eat as much. You can actually eat more fat. And um, uh, downside of eating a lot of fat is you'll get kind of a slimy stool <laughs> if you're not used to it. Um, but that's a whole kind of like if you're not used to it thing. Like if you eat fiber and you're not used to it, your stomach will hurt. But if you eat fiber and you're used to it, it doesn't bother you at all um, because the bacteria in your gut, uh, you know, knows what to do with it. And <clears throat> it's not that your bacteria learn, it's that you uh, start growing different bacteria. There's different species of stuff growing on down in there based on how, how you've been, been eating. Okay, so um, if you don't get enough fat, well, then you'll probably be hungry all the time. And uh, there's lots of evidence that you can use, you can learn to use fat for uh, more fuel, you know? And um, that's cool stuff. Okay, so that's fat. And one way to add in fat, let's say you want to add in more fat to your diet, just take a, uh, 
a thing of uh, olive oil. Oh, crap. I had a thing of olive oil, and where did I put it? Take a thing of olive oil and uh, drizzle it on your food, and now you've added some fat to your food, and you'll be fuller longer. Super simple. Um, you don't need to go crazy with any of this stuff because people tend to overdo it. Humans overdo everything, and uh, they go way too far, and they wonder why they have such problems. Okay, then let's talk about... We'll talk more about fat, but let's talk about uh, carbs next. So if um, carbs are great, oh, it's one of the new Ford F-150s with the aluminum body. Pretty cool. Um, you can tell because the F is hollow on the Ford F-150 emblem badge on the side of the vehicle. Uh, let's talk uh, carbs. Yeah. Carbs are awesome. They give you tons of energy. Make you feel good. Uh, the problem is, is it's probably a lot like cocaine, where you feel or crack. You feel really good, but if you feel really good, guess what comes next? You don't feel so good because uh, the crash is fast too. So it's a fast up and then a fast down. They make awesome endurance fuels, and then carbs can be loaded with uh, complex or simple. And the more refined, the more simple it is. And you can totally leverage that for fuel for what you're going to do next. So you want some carbs, but you're not actually working out anytime soon. Well, then you can eat a whole grain bread, right? Because that's complex carbs. Um, sweet potato, complex carbs, you know. Uh, veg Veggies, oh my God, are so complex because there's tons of fiber in there. And then... Um, you're going to do, you're going to work out, so you do simple carbs, uh, especially mixed with water, so Gatorade, super easy to digest, and then um, uh, gives you quick energy, so be careful, because you'll have a quick crash, like cake icing is what I like to call that kind of stuff, um, candy, basically, and as my mom would say, that's not food, that's candy, uh, when she's talking about uh stuff that people serve, especially to children, and they call it food, but it's so loaded with sugar, it's actually candy. Like, uh, her thing that I love that she says is, uh, you know, these kids' cereals like Fruit Loops and Sugar Smacks, stuff like that. She goes, that shouldn't even be cereal. That should be served on the candy aisle because it's a mostly refined sugar and food coloring and crap like that. Anyway, it's got cartoon characters all over it. All right. So that's your carb, so you can leverage that. So basically, you can look at a plate and go, okay, I need this amount of fat if I want to feel a little bit full, and I need this amount of carbs if I want some faster burning energy. Um, and uh, But if I eat a lot of carbs, I might have a sugar crash and get sleepy, right? And also the volume of food uh, makes your stomach busy and can make you sleepy because all your blood with all its energy goes to your stomach instead of your brain and that can make you sleepy. And then what I learned is that uh, protein. Protein is um, interesting and that I learned from being a vegan that there's actually tons of protein in plants. Um, The average person, even the average athlete, you don't need to go way out of your way to find any kind of protein. Um, It's just there and uh, you know, Get it from a variety of sources and just be happy, you know? <laughs> Look up the protein content of stuff and, uh, and then realize how much protein is in stuff. It's, it's amazing 
So you don't really need, no matter what you eat, well, fat has no protein in it whatsoever. But I'm talking about veggies. And and uh, I wonder if fruit has any protein. But lots of veggies, beans, uh, peanuts, you know, all kinds of stuff has lots of protein in it. A wide spectrum of stuff. The only thing uh, that you're missing if you don't eat meat really is B12. So you could uh, get some protein, uh, get some B12, however way you want to do it. Okay, but then... Um, If you don't get enough protein, you're gonna feel weak. You're gonna stunt your growth. It's it's what your body likes to make stuff out of. I mean, what's to make you out of? Wants to make you out of. So if you don't eat enough protein, you're gonna get all kinds of deficiencies and such. And then if you eat too much protein, you're gonna clog your freaking kidneys. I bet. <laughs> Pretty sure about that. And uh, you will have problems. So don't go crazy with the protein. Just eat a normal amount doesn't really matter that much um, as far as weight gain or weight loss. Just eat some. Uh, a little bit of extra protein supposedly uh, satiates your appetite with not too much calorie impact. Um, not like fat does. Fat's got a lot of calories, so you got to watch. Fat has like over twice as much calories as uh, carbs and protein does. Hey, there's a duplicate of my car. That's pretty cool. You look cool. Anyway, um, what do we have after that? Fiber. Okay. So, if you eat a lot of fiber, and veggies have a lot of fiber, and fruit usually has a lot, you're going to end up making yourself both full, and you're slowing down your digestion, and if you ate a lot, and if you're trying to diet and not gain weight, you're already kind of low on blood sugar. Uh, my experience was a lot of fiber is going to make you so sleepy, it might make you pass out because your blood sugar is already low from not overeating, from eating kind of low calorie stuff. So the fiber, it's really easy if you eat really healthy to eat too much fiber and then you'll have stomach issues when you're trying to work out. So what I learned was uh, keep the fiber, you can eat tons of fiber if it's very far away from your, uh, from your next workout. And those are the things. And then water, you want to make sure you're peeing um, very light yellow and uh, peeing every once in a while. And you start peeing too much, then you might be not getting enough calories in and um, your body's trying to concentrate your blood sugar so that you have a higher blood sugar. Uh, there's all kinds of crazy stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Well, So once you start weighing yourself, you can start to learn how, and you get yourself down to understanding um, how different foods make you feel, you can start leveraging what you know about these foods and trying out different stuff and seeing what makes you gain and lose weight. But you need to be able to gain or lose weight and feel good at the same time. And um, some crazy stuff I've learned by doing, uh, let's say, high-fat, uh, low-carb, um, is honestly the uh, kind of food in the short term doesn't matter. You can eat uh, really high-fat stuff and you won't gain weight. You can actually lose weight. It all, it, it's a mix of what you did that day and how much of the food that you ate. The food itself doesn't really do that much uh, over the short term, the calories might, 
but the um, and that's how much. But actually, what the food is um, doesn't really do much. You know, a uh, hundred calories of fat is in a weird way. It's kind of like a hundred calories of sugar. I know there's a slight difference, but there's um, and different things and stuff. But it's going to make you feel different. And um, what you need to do is kind of pay attention to how it makes you feel and then aim for a balance on the scale where it brings your weight down to an ideal body weight for your height um, that also uh, is a way of eating with amounts of fat and protein and carbs and um, fiber. Um, And I should throw in there, you know, uh, veggies have a lot of... um, nutrition in them so like vitamins and minerals stuff like that so don't skip on your veggies oh i gotta talk about that in a second too and um if you start doing that then you um you start paying attention to the ratios of stuff you'll start to learn how to feel good while not overeating and another thing um so you'll be able to maintain your body weight while feeling good um another thing i learned was that um, portion size is a huge problem. So uh, one of the other holy grails that I figured out is you've got to learn to be able to put food away. So I got a burrito from Freebirds today, right? And it was their small burrito, but it's huge for a small burrito. So first thing years ago is I learned, you don't get their large burrito, Brett. You don't need it, right? Um, I kept trying to lose weight while still eating the same portion sizes I was eating before. Well, that's a disaster. So I started getting smaller portion sizes. Instead of a foot long at Subway, get like a half foot, a six inch. And uh, at this place, I learned that I can get by on uh, their small burrito, which is still really big. It's so big that, in fact, uh, one of the tricks I learned is a really good example here is you got to learn to be able to put your food away. And if you've never done this before, it is really, really, really hard um, to not eat everything on your plate. But this burrito, I guess how many times I ate it today before I finally finished it and how many hours it took. Three times I broke it out over four hours before I finally finished the burrito, right? I ate about mm, almost half of it uh, for lunch. And then I wrapped it up in foil, uh, that they have at the restaurant and then took it with me in my car back to work. And about an hour later, I was kind of hungry again. And, uh, so then I ate about half of what was left. No, I only had a few bites left, uh, when I was done the second time, but then I was, I was full again. Right. So I wrapped it up in foil, the few bites left, and then I put it in the work fridge and then I, uh, uh, about an hour later, I was hungry again. So then I ate the rest. <laughs> right? And now, imagine if I'd eaten the whole thing at once. Now, what does that do to you? Well, your body can't possibly use the whole thing at once. Right? So it takes the extra that it can't use and it stores it as fat. But if you're only eating what you need... Uh, well, I, and then my stomach would have been full. I would have stretched out my stomach. And then a few hours later, I would have been uh, hungry again. And then I would have eaten even more, right? 
Um, so now I'm piling more calories on because now I'm rebounding and I need more food. So instead, you break up the food and you spread it out. And it's a revolutionary way of eating if you don't think this way. But in America, we've got this problem where it's like finish everything on your plate. And people keep pushing food on you all the time. And it is an awesome skill of self-control to say, um, no, uh, I'll save it till later or throw it in the trash. You know, give it to a homeless person if you can. But food is not does not cost anything in America anymore. It's it's so cheap that it's actually junk food now. And it's a commodity. It isn't worth anything, unfortunately, um, to make because a lot of it's filled with just crap anyway. So you got to learn, you got to unlearn that food is valuable. Now, if it's an expensive meal with a loved one, that's a valuable meal, right? But you still shouldn't overeat it and uh, you should save it and then eat it later. Uh, the parts of it that you're not hungry for. So you got to learn how to stop when you start getting full and then um, put it away and save it for later. The That was like my final 10 pounds was learning to um, not finish everything on my plate and just put it away, either throw it away or put it away and eat it later. And it's really hard to do it first, but once you once you do it a few times, you're like, wow. That is a lot of calories that adds up that you don't need to be eating. It's actually pretty amazing. All right, I got to pick up Kai from school, and I'll be back in a minute. All right, I'm back. Okay, so now the final piece of the picture is the last item in the, in the Holy Grail is knowing if you're hungry or not. So I managed to conquer this with the help of a really cool book called Am I Hungry? And it's a very small book. Uh, very well written, but not uh, hugely popular or anything like that because it gives advice that isn't all that gimmicky or markety to um, that doesn't sell bazillion copies, you know. Um, because it's just plain and simple advice, it's actually really good. And of course, you know, that's not going to sell. Um, and it's the coolest thing about the book. Um, I think I got a paperback copy of it, I found it on online Amazon or something like that maybe it is online and you get a digital copy of it or whatever but anyway it's called Am I Hungry and the coolest thing in the book is how it proclaims towards the beginning that the author figured out and I think the author might be a doctor of nutrition or something like that um, that basically you can eat whatever you want so you don't have to deny yourself food um and uh, feel like you're cheating or anything like that by instead learning uh, the symptoms that you're full. And your body's telling you all the time whether it's full or not. And then once you learn with the scale and uh, the different macronutrients of how different foods make you feel, then you can um, eat different ways. You can eat all different kinds of stuff and not gain weight. And uh, just last week, I ate... Uh, Burger King with French fries, uh, a Burger King burger with French fries, and drank two beers all in the same day, <laughs> and still lost like half a pound or a quarter of a pound. Now that is full of sugar, and I mean, well, carbs and uh, starch, uh, fat, meat. 
you know, like, it's just crap. And I ate all that and I still lost a quarter of a pound because I ate it knowing kind of what else I needed to do the rest of the day so that I didn't gain a ton of weight from eating that way, right? And that's all from experience. It's pretty neat. Um, so again, the book is Am I Hungry? And so you learn that you're, you're, you're starting to fill up. So put the food away, like I said, was another, was another tip. And then you can actually, um, and say, you know, you're not going to be able to eat for, for a while today. For example, let's say, uh, you're about to go into a meeting and, um, it's a long meeting. So what should you eat? Uh, especially let's say, or you're going to do something where you can't eat for a while. And then, um, <clears throat> you say, well, eat something that's kind of fatty because it'll, it'll fill you up and give you a slow burn of calories for a while, you know, or it's got some fiber and some protein in it. Do not eat simple carbs before going into a meeting. And then the other thing is, um, the last piece that is huge is, um, learn, oh, what was it? <laughs> oh, start respecting yourself and demanding of yourself to not let yourself get caught in a situation unless it's unavoidable or totally by accident but where you don't have uh, healthy food with you right and uh, or foods that you're you're going to be able to use correctly food different types of foods are like different types of tools you know so if you're going on a road trip you're going to be on the out you're going to be on the road for a few hours bring your own food in the car or don't stop at McDonald's stop at a grocery store which there's tons of grocery stores along the highway and with your phone you ought to be able to find a grocery store on on uh, maps um, and go into the grocery store and go into the produce section and then also get some nuts and uh, some deli meat or something like that and now you got yourself a healthy snack right and you just went to the grocery store, and guess what? It takes the same amount of time or less as stopping at a fast food place. And a lot of foods you can eat right out of the package, you know? Um, just because you're working at a desk all day, I finally got fed up uh, with having to eat whatever was around the office, with vending machines and crap, and I didn't even ask. I just went and bought a, a used uh, dorm fridge uh, for 50 bucks or 100 bucks maybe, and put it in my office. I said, this is mine. I'm putting my food in here. And then on top of it, I put a fruit basket where I keep uh, fruit and nuts and, and healthy stuff that doesn't need to be in the fridge. And it is literally an arm's reach from my desk. So guess who has healthy food all day long at his desk? Me. And guess who was one of the skinny people at work? Me. But I had to have the guts to go and do that. And you have to have the dignity and self-respect to demand and treat yourself to uh, healthy foods and situation. Uh, and modern Western society does not make that easily possible. But also, it is easy if you um, stand up for yourself and do it. All right. That's probably enough food stuff talk. I need to go eat some food. I'm starving. <laughs> You may ask yourself, well, what's Brett going to eat next? Uh, well, I base on how I feel. I haven't eaten in a while. I am going to work out this evening, so I'm going to make it kind of low in fiber and kind of medium in carbs. Uh, put a little bit of fat on it. Um, 
trying to think. I'll probably snack on some cashews first because that's got a little bit of fat in it like that. That'll fill me up. And then I'll look for something uh, maybe a little bit starchy and carby like rice. I like whole grain rice, brown rice. And uh, yeah, um, it'd be a good time for some Asian food, uh, healthy Asian food, but not too heavy, with, but with like no broccoli um, in it. Because um, that hurts my stomach if I'm going to run later. And I think, no, tonight I'm going to bike. So, yeah, you think about what you're going to do coming up in, in the next few hours and eat accordingly. It's actually pretty cool um, once you figure out all this stuff. And you just don't eat whatever's put in front of you and then eat it all. <laughs> Take some control over it. And uh, don't leave it up to luck. All right, that's out. That's it. Out. It. Out. Bang. Bang. All right, I'm back. Okay, <laughs> listening to a cool podcast, Smart and Simple Matters, is really nice, and uh, it's kind of zenish, uh, trying to get down the simplicity kind of stuff. I've only listened to the first few episodes, and and I uh, kind of I've learned that uh, you don't have to listen to everything. You know, skip around and listen to the stuff that uh, that benefits you. And if it's a topic you're not really that interested in, just don't even don't bother with it. You know. Just move on to, because uh, there's like uh, topics about money management and all that stuff. I'm just not that into it. And, but there's topics on um, health and fitness and stuff. And I'm like, oh, cool. I want to listen to that. You know, it's motiv- motivating me to uh, listen to, to that. Anyway, um, smart and simple matters. Smart, simple matters. Anyway, podcast. All right, um, let's go ahead and start wrapping up the show. I had one other uh, eating thing that actually uh, works really good. Um, uh, and the, th- the whole thing is, is to pra- try lots of different stuff. And then uh, because everybody's a little different, um, uh, you know, we're mostly the same. So being lighter and leaner is going to be better health, right? That's pretty much the rule for everybody. Um, what works for you as far as getting you there is a little bit different. So you try different stuff and you'll find one that you really like. Um, <clears throat> there was one and it's uh, the timing of, I mean, micro timing of food. It's pretty cool. Um, when you sit down and eat, eat your veggies first and then... Uh, this one person was saying, then protein and then carbs. Uh, I think that kind of depends. But I've taught that to Kai. Uh, eat your veggies first, and um, or mix them in with your with your other stuff first, and get those down. And then uh, with your remaining energy, uh, time, uh, hunger, um, eat the other stuff. You know, and then you get your veggies in. I want to drink a glass of water beforehand. So there's lots of little strategies like that. Uh, everybody's found, I was about to say I've found, but everybody's found that a strategy that you come up with that works for you, you're much more likely to stick with. Or one that you find out somebody that you really look up to is doing and you want to kind of be like them. And that'll work really well as well. It's some kind of human psychology thing. It's that thing where somebody tells you something and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you discover it yourself. And then you're like, hey, this thing I figured out. And then the first person says, dude, I've been saying that the entire time. <laughs> well, you didn't think it was cool or interesting until you figured it out, you know. So kind of figure out your own thing. 
and don't follow somebody else's. Uh, don't expect that if you follow somebody else's that you're going to stick with it forever because you kind of need to figure out your own little angle. Then, then you have ownership over it and then you like it. All right, we have sponsors real quick I want to mention. Uh, Sound Probiotics are super, super good for you. Your body is a whole lot of bacteria going on in your gut. I mean, that's what it is. That sounded like a bad, that sounded like bad, poor sentence structure, but it is. Your body is bacteria going on in your gut. And you can promote the growth of better bacteria by eating certain foods and taking certain uh, probiotics. And sound probiotics are made specifically for athletes, so it's super cool. And the guys behind Sound Probiotics sent me an email and said, hey, they just signed uh, Maddie Boom Boom Reed. And that guy knows what he's doing. So, you know, you couldn't go wrong with that. And let me see, they, they had another sponsor, a, Mount, a Cannondale uh, sponsored uh, pro mountain biker or Olympian, I think. Let me see. Or Maddie Reed is an Olympian. And let me pull it up. I just had it up and then I closed it. Oh my God, where did it go? Oh my God. Oh. Uh, Sam Schultz. Hey, Team Cannondale. That would, that is really, really cool. So you can get sound probiotics. They're just a, it's a pill you take once a day. I just took mine like uh, half an hour ago. And it, um, the real upside is you're much less likely to get sick. And then that won't interrupt your, your uh, training. And it's super convenient. And you can get, let's see, what is our discount code, man? You want a discount code 10% off. Holy crap. That's like no tax almost or something like that. 10% off when you go and use discount code ZENTRY. All caps. Make sure it's all caps. ZENTRY. <laughs> and get your sound probiotics delivered to your door. Super cool. And um, they have like no flavor or anything. You just pop a pill. Just put it uh, next to your toothpaste or something like that. So you brush your teeth, take sound probiotic. Done. And then we also have, let's see, Amrita bars. How many Amrita bars have I had in the past two days? I think three. <laughs> They're carbs and fat and protein, like all super healthy packaged up, easily digestible so you can eat one and then work out and you'll barely notice uh, any kind of anything in your stomach. It's just like even flow energy. Um, super, super good uh, energy source, super healthy. Um, there's no nuts in them, so if you have a nut allergy, it's really good for you. They have seeds uh, for, for fats and protein, and then um, the ingredients are just all around awesome. So you can eat them and not worry that you're eating junk. It is awesome. They're super healthy for you. Amrita Bars, you can go to amritahealthfoods.com. And or just Google them and find out more about them. Uh, there's a page of spokespeople, and I'm on that page. That's pretty cool. And let's see, what's the discount code? Discount code ZEN, all caps. And you get 15% off. 15! 15! 40 cakes. <laughs> hey, Google uh, 40 cakes and Lex Luthor and see what comes up. I was, I was looking at that last night. It was really, really funny. Um, anyway, Amrita bars, super good, super healthy for you. Um, okay. So that wraps it up with those, uh, two sponsors. I really appreciate them being part of Zen Try and they approached the show. I did not approach them. They approached me and that just shows you that they're huge supporters of the show. 
and uh, wanted to be involved. So if you like this show and uh, you want to help support the show and help a company that gets it, check out Sound Probiotics and Amrita Bars. Okay, next episode is an interview with Doug McLean, who is a pro triathlete, and we talk a little bit about melanoma and skin cancer and stuff like that and, and sun exposure, but that's actually only about 10% of our conversation. We talk about being a pro, being in the Navy, uh, traveling all over the world, uh, eating, nutrition. We talk about how he set up his bike, like his aero bars in the front, and uh, why he's chosen to do what he's done, and uh, how he got into being a pro and gave up uh, working on a PhD and all kinds of neat stuff. And he went to Cornell. So it is a really, really cool interview. It's, and it's a long one. And it's just chock full of good stuff. It's pretty fun. So that'll be in the next episode. So stay tuned for that. All right. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out. Oh, mm-hmm.